1: Reveille, reveille, docks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
0: Back in the saddle again here on this Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. That's a lot of twos, 22 twos. Uh, Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am merely one half of your hosting duo, joined by the returning king of Connecticut himself, my friend and yours, the beige one. He calls himself a bunch of names that don't make sense given who he is, but hey, (laughs) who cares? Who's who's fact-checking around here? It's Brian Campbell. BC, how are you
1: doing, son? Back in action, Luke, refreshed from an incredible vacation in your your city washington dc i know luke a lot of people are looking for the juicy details did we hang out did our family members get get along you know did we blow up each other's spot i mean you know how did it go it didn't go Luke. it didn't go at all unfortunately my son caught ill the night before luke i was faced with a, a difficult decision potentially infect columbia the nation or the District of Columbia, and I just want you to know I chose I chose the uh, the latter, Luke, okay? Well,
0: yes, I, uh, I'm i glad to hear you do that. Very quickly, tell us about your impressions of uh, my my city, but also everyone <coughs> who lives in the United States.
1: It's the capital. What do you Look, think? Look, this was a, a tremendous vacation, staying down there. I believe they call it the District Wharf, Luke. Is that it? Is that what they just, call it? Just the wharf, yeah. Uh, Luke, this was great. Now, do I have negatives about your city? Yeah. The price, people's attitudes. Separate from that, Luke... This is a beautiful, amazing, historic, fantastic city that I probably, you know, checked one fiftieth of the boxes in terms of big ticket items I could have saw. But um, my family bounced back quickly from from being under the weather, and uh, we had a great time. Luke, you know, saw the hits. You know, what, what, dude? Tell me if I'm wrong here, okay? I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, steer this podcast into the uh, into the ditch here. But that National Mall, Luke. And there's no Spencer's Gifts, by the way, you know what I'm saying? But that National Mall, Luke, it's there's almost, you know, and I don't get down on politics. You know that about me. There's almost like a sacred spiritual feeling there when you're walking up and down it. You know, I'm on the steps. There's Lincoln. I'm looking across. There's Jenny from Forrest Gump coming out of the water. It felt special, Luke. And I had a, I had a, a great time in your city. I mean, dude, what a place, right? I can't believe I've never really been there outside of a few quick stop-throughs.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, and the, the place he's talking about, for folks who don't know, it's basically the patch of grass, or it's a little more than that, between the Senate building, which is the Capitol, and then the Lincoln Memorial. It's everything in between, which would include the Washington Monument and just tons of green oh, space. Oh, the all World the War Two fountain, inside. Luke.
1: Big, yep. big big, ups to that. Okay? Yeah, like,
0: yeah, Tukey had a big meltdown there one time because she wanted to swim in the water, and we didn't let her, and she howled, and we had to leave, yeah. so that was a fun day, but... The point being is, yeah, it's, it's a tremendous place. I'm really glad you guys had a great time. I do want to focus in on one thing, though, which was you said it was expensive. Now, I do recall one person from Connecticut telling me <laughs> I was out of my mind for saying, wow, this place is really expensive. Like, it's hard to get things affordably priced here. And then right. you come down here and I got a barrage of texts being like, yo, this city is expensive as shit. Yes, it is. Brian first Campbell. of all,
1: first of all, I live in suburban Connecticut, which ain't easy. Right. I live in a, in a, in a posh area. I've I've done a lot of time, Luke. New York, Vegas, L.A. I know expensive shit. Dude, I didn't see any signs for an $85 haircut, so I'm not letting you off that (laughs) hook. But I will say, you can't do anything... With two people that doesn't cost $50. Get a coffee, get an ice cream, go to the you know what I'm saying? You there's nothing you can do in that city that isn't like here's another 50, here's another 50. And look, why are people angry as shit in that city? Like people just have no dude, I come from the the tri-state, no eye contact, get about your business lifestyle. I thought I was entering at least the The barriers of the South. Dude, that ain't the South. That ain't shit there, Luke.
0: No, you have to go to, like, Middle Virginia to start really feeling the South. Now, when you say people were unfriendly, were they unfriendly or were they just no-selling your jokes? Which is it?
1: Well, they no-sold my entire family at every turn. Basically, here's how I sum it up. The, The service workers of all different ages, backgrounds, varieties really make you feel like you're you're doing them a disservice by asking them to serve you in their job. That's really the issue I have, Luke, okay? You know what I mean?
0: There might there might be some of that. You can see where I get it from, if that if that helps you at all, but uh, yes. I am glad you had a great time. I am glad you're refreshed, and I'm glad you're back on the show, because we have a big show today, dude. We have to get to, let's see, we've got a UFC Vegas this weekend, an insanely good card, back-to-back off the other one. We also have a, great, a phenomenal Bellator card on Friday night, plus we have to get some stuff to react to with you, so Thumbs up on the video if you're watching. Hit subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, give us a nice review. We appreciate it when you do. Um, you can reach the show at any time. Morningcombat at gmail.com. We will have a have you seen this shit today. BC's got one locked and loaded for us. Looking forward to seeing that. But if you want to reach the show for any reason, you can do so there. Obviously, showtime.com is the label that pays. Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If, if you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. You can watch Bellator this weekend. You can watch the old moose defend his title against Johnny Eblen, which we'll talk about here a little bit later as well hey, um, I, hey
1: hey how about your interview with uh, danny Sabs with danny wow. sabatello good dude, shit luke dude wow. sabatello is fucking
0: hilarious because i asked him I'm like so when you size up the opponent like what exactly are you looking for and he's sort of like he read it to me like an offensive coordinator telling me about like what plays worked in the game. He was like, uh, "Yeah, you know, listen. Upon doing research and looking at the tape, my biggest takeaway is he fucking sucks." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." okay uh, he basically was bold. like,
1: "If you ain't down with that, then fuck you too." I mean, he came at the fans, Luke. He was just—he was coming on, bro. I, I was into it. People can check that out, of course, along with your chat with Johnny Eblin. Morning, youtube.com/slash morning combat. But Luke, I hope we can sprinkle in some of this into Friday's show because Sabatello must see TV in all forms right now.
0: I mean, he's a big character, which I think actually Bellator really needs, but more than that, and this is real, like that dude is a legit threat to win the whole tournament. I know a lot of folks may not believe that because he's kind of a loudmouth, but he can fight his ass off. He's very, very good. So we'll get to that a little bit later as well. I've got merch on. Right? BC's got merch on. You can get some merch on morningcombat.store. Morningcombat.store right now. Tons of good stuff. And BC, I, I do want to get to this before we get to our Athletic Greens read here. We need to promote our live show, not this Friday, but the following Friday when we're in Las Vegas. So, July 1st, if memory serves. July 1st. Let's announce it now. 5 p.m is about the rough start of it it's basically going to be after the weigh-ins for ufc 276 and we have the location we want you to put this in your calendar right now beer house beer house 5 p.m pt in las vegas right after the weigh-ins and you're asking where's beer house dude a block from t-mobile you walk outside t-mobile you can throw a rock and hit beer house it's right there right next to park mgm and bc Live show. We're going to spin the wheel. Yeah. We want everybody to come. Mark it in your calendars.
1: It's that indoor-outdoor restaurant slash bar, if you haven't seen it, that's connected to the New York, New York. You have to walk past it if you're leaving T-Mobile Arena and heading back to the Strip. So, you know, they got the big Django blocks outside all that bullshit. But inside, there's even more bullshit, and that's Luke and BC. Uh, going to make it look easy. Some special guests we're going to react to all things fight week. We're going to do a lot of real weird shit stuff. Probably, Luke. I mean, if 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 Tui shows up, one will bang Two, I don't know. I could be drinking it out of someone's orifice. Luke, I don't know what's going to happen. So the only way to find out is Friday, 5 p.m. Pacific International Fight Week. Be there. OK, be there. Seriously. And I know a lot of people, Luke, they're already saying I got my travel ready. I want to be there. I want to be a live DM from Dunk. Come on, bro. You know the saying, right? Are you coming on? Come the fuck on already.
0: There you go. 5 p.m. PT, 5 p.m. local time, right after the weigh-ins are over at T-Mobile. Come see us at Beer House. You cannot miss it. It's free to get in. We're going to have a good time. A live MK showing. You asked for it. We're going to give it to you. Last but not least, BC, before we get into all of today's topics, I want to talk about AG1. Now, I know you were traveling in D.C. recently. Were you drinking your AG1 when you were on the road?
1: I was, and I think it helped not only myself, but my entire family bounce back. Because, you know, on the road, Luke, you can get a scratchy throat. You can get something going on here. But here's the deal at the end of the day, Luke. I love it. doesn't taste super healthy. has the mild tropical taste. But in terms of starting my day each morning, Luke, it makes me feel good. I don't do a lot of things that are good that make me feel good. Usually it's the bad things that make you feel good. This is a good thing, Luke, right? Am I wrong?
0: No, no doubt about it. And as as you indicated, it supports, let's see, gut health, immune health, aging, recovery, focus. You can take it with you on the the go. You can have it at home. And BC, I love it. One scoop, done for the day. That's the best part.
1: Yeah, I started my morning with it and I did it because it's lifestyle friendly, Luke. So, you know, I'm on a diet that is basically a, a liver free diet. You know what I'm saying? You know, Live free or die. With my liver, it's close to dying. But here's the deal. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar. There's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything. And like I said, it still tastes pretty damn good, so let's go for it, all right?
0: Uh, it certainly does. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit.
1: And taking AG is also a small micro-habit with the big benefits that we're talking about. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. And don't just believe us. How about Athletic Greens right now having 7,000 or more five-star reviews? Entrusted, of course, by the leading health experts. We're talking Tim Ferriss. We're talking Michael Gervais, brother.
0: Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season, just ask the BC family. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health.
1: Yeah, you're down with the green AG, Luke? Yeah, you know me. You know what I'm talking about? And to make it even easier, Athletic Green's right now going to give you, the listener, the viewer, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and those five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. And of course, you know, that's with a K brother.
0: Again, athleticgreens.com slash morning combat as BC indicated with a K to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. We got our announcements out of the way. We got our recap out of the way, BC. Let's do this. We're going to talk about Saryukin and Gamrot in just a second, but you were gone for saturday's fights i know you caught up with them we didn't have a monday show we kind of used my post fight show from the weekend as sort of a monday filler we also had a a max holloway resume review if you've not seen that yet that is up youtube.com slash morning combat but bc two big main event results over the weekend i would love to quickly get your take on them we start with mma josh emmett defeating calvin cater what's your biggest takeaway from that fight aside from the scoring being obviously pretty close
1: Look, such an evenly matched fight. We knew what we were going to get coming in. For the most part, they delivered that. At the end of the day, I think, Luke, this is one of those fights that if you watch it with the intent of proving that one of one of two should have won, you, you have a good chance of getting there. It was that close of a fight. But, Luke, at the end of the day, I liked three rounds to two what Josh Emmett did. And we talked coming into this fight, knowing the... The, the, the situation a beat unfortunately, the greatest featherweight of all time. He's gone. We know we're going to get Max Volk 3 coming up. Somebody, whether it's Yair Rodriguez, whether somebody's going to have to make a big statement to be next. Luke, I wonder if Josh Emmett made this statement. No, it wasn't a stoppage. It wasn't, you know, sort of this overwhelming one-sided fight. But you rarely get that at this level. I scored him the first three rounds. I thought Cater came on in the end. I loved Cater's boxing. But, Luke, to the letter of the law of damage, despite that cut on Emmett's eye that did become a factor, I just thought he landed the heavier blows throughout, particularly in those first three rounds, although I'm very aware that judges and a lot of the the scorers at home did like Cater in round two. Some even liked him in round three, although most people gave him four, definitely. Five was a little bit split. Luke, I like the scoring three to two at the end of the day, and I think Emmett has put himself in a very good position, knowing that window's small. He's not getting any younger. He's in his late 30s, but he has he is battle tested, like you wouldn't believe, getting through a thriller with Burgos. Now getting through a thriller with, with Cater. I, I think he's made a strong enough statement, and I like the commandeer of the microphone saying, Dana, let's go. You know, I'm gonna be there two weeks from now, cage side at International Fight Week. Find me my title opponent. Tell me if I'm wrong, Luke, but I, I think he's 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 done enough to earn that. He's done enough to be in this conversation unless Yair Rodriguez does some crazy spitty shit and knocks out Ortega or whatever, right? He's on a nice run right now. Did you agree with me on that scoring, Luke? Because I did see a lot of hullaboo across the old Twitter machine.
0: Yeah, I think I think a three to two scorecard either way is justified. It would depend, I guess, on what rounds you were scoring. One of the judges, I forgot which one did it, had the first three for Emmett, the last two for Cater. That's
1: Sal D'Amato, based... Luke. It's a good old Sal, all right? Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think that's more or less where I lined up. I thought in real time the judges would give it to Cater. And again, that's not necessarily saying how I saw it. I'm trying to also imagine how the judges might see it. And so I thought fourth and fifth definitely Cater, first three Probably Emmett, but maybe Cater steals one of those. But in the end, I agree with you. And I'll tell you something else. It's not very easy for a guy with a reach disadvantage to win on body work when the body work doesn't cripple the other guy. Like he doesn't visibly fall over. And he and, and Emmett had to do that. He had to really invest to the body. So something of a risky strategy in the sense of like you know, it's it's not the same as popping someone's head back. But he but did it, was, it.
1: It was necessity driven because Cater's yes. takedown defense was so on point. So if you liked overall the flurrying of, of Cater, the jab, the the fact that visibly with the eye you did see a lot of damage again, uh, you're not going to argue with anybody who thought Cater should have won that fight. But Luke, I want to ask you a question. I don't know if you hit this up in your post-fight one because I was, of course vacationing, right, Net visiting Nash, Nationals Baseball Park, Luke. That was, a, that was a good night at the office right there, right? You never mm. been there, Luke? Yeah, I've been the there Nads? a few times. Mm-hmm. Damn right, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Luke, Tyson Chartier put out a social media post that a lot of people are picking up on in MK viewer Lee James Borthwick, which really sounds like a a, a try-name, future, you know, presidential assassinate attempt, you know, type of, like, Lee Harvey type deal on there. But, Luke, he wanted me to specifically ask you on this show— the point of Chartier's social media post was he said he scored at 3-2 to two Cater, and if you look at the judges' scoring, if you scored each round based on the majority of the three judges, right? I know in the end it was a split decision because they saw it opposite ways, but if you looked at each round and took the majority of the three judges, this would have been a Cater victory. Do you think that's enough of a of a change to the scoring issues we have in MMA? That that's more judicious? I thought even though I liked Emmett better— this was a very interesting statement because when you go back and look at those judges' scorecards, two of the three judges liked what did, I'm sorry, what Cater did in rounds two, four, and five. There's, there might be something there, Luke. Do you like that idea? Um,
0: I don't hate it. It just seems woefully irrelevant because we're not going to do it. Um, the one thing that stood out to me, BC, was I do believe one of the judges – Gave Emmett round four, and that to me is the only one where I'm like, I don't quite get that. That seemed to me a very clear round for Calvin Cater and not yes. for Josh Emmett, and so I can understand certain pockets going the wrong way. I think that's fu- that's again not complaining. Three two Emmett. But I am complaining if one of the three is round four. That seems like just bad judging. But but
1: here's what this would fix, Luke. I want to jump back on you. I don't want you to punt this or, or whatever, right? You know what I'm saying? Luke, who was your favorite punter? Pat McAfee? Is that your favorite punter of all time?
0: No, Sebastian Janikowski. <laughs> okay,
1: oh, God, yes, because that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's, that guy's done some shit, Luke. Okay, dirtbag. probably off Complete of nude dirtbag. women. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he was a field goal kicker and not a punter, Luke. So you that's you, true, you actually right, are fair, dead wrong in motion right here. The point is this. What do we hate most about controversial scoring, typically in boxing, right? Where sometimes we feel like that third judge is so one-sided in favor of the money fighter. How many times do we see this, Luke? Over and over again, where even when the right guy wins, that third scorecard is like 118-110 Canelo, right? You know, and you're just like, what the fuck? Under this Tyson Chartier-explained dilemma, wouldn't that eliminate the outlier? Rather than doing, let's do five judges and then eliminate the outlier so we have the three scores, you can outright eliminate the outlier on a round-by-round basis if you pick this up. Now, again, I scored it for Emmett. Doing it this way would score it for Cater, but again, I don't have a problem either way. My point is, in the larger picture, wouldn't this consistently cancel out that disrupted third minority voice when it comes to judging, especially since sometimes guys just miss it completely, or maybe they're on the take. Who knows, Luke, right? We all have our suspicions. But wouldn't that eliminate that bullshit, Luke?
0: I don't know if it'll eliminate that bullshit. I don't, like, having a dissenting card or an outlier card is not by definition bad. In fact, it could be the only one that makes sense. So I don't know why you would want a system that would eliminate I mean, I understand why Chison Chartier might want it because he felt like his fighter was wrong, and I understand that. But that, that sword swings both ways. Like, having an outlier card, having something like that, we always think outlier means bad, but it doesn't necessarily mean bad at all. In fact, it could mean the only one that's sane, and you got something else going on in the wrong direction the other way. I would argue that, you know, we would have to test this more thoroughly to see exactly what kind of benefits or challenges it confers but my sense is yes in a situation like this you might get a more equitable result but as a practice i would be somewhat skeptical of it
1: i'm just saying lee james borthwick the the bloke who slid in my dms who apparently you your your luke thomas clips page follows on instagram so he hasn't been blocked shout out to him I just think I, I kind of like this, Luke. I think that's the best way to eliminate the bullshit. I, I really believe you're not going to fix everything. I just think in the long run, you're going to fix better these situations. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Luke Emmett, next title shot. Is it dependent upon Yair or Ortega who have bigger names shining in a in a bright light come July 16th? Is it dependent upon that?
0: I think it is. Uh Yair is a guy who I'm sure the UFC, you know, they've had issues with him. They cut him for crying out loud, then brought him back and all that kind of stuff. But I do believe they would rather have him in a title picture than Josh Emmett, if for no other reason. Well, two reasons. One, he's younger. And then two, he obviously would have a connection to the uh, Mexican audience, which they're always trying to grow and build. That's very, very important for them. Understandably, Yair brings... Two of those major solutions that they want, in somebody who's a sort of an interesting contender, Josh Emmett, I think, would be a certainly a, to me, it'd be a little bit more interesting to have Emmett fight one of these two guys. Um, obviously, Max already fought Yair, and I and I do I would be interested in seeing a Volkanovski Yair fight. I think I told Aaron Bronsted of that, but I think an Emmett fight would be really 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 fun as well. So yeah. I think I think if that fight sucks or Ortega wins, then I think Emmett's going to get it. But I do think if Yair wins, and especially if he wins spectacularly, which is unlikely but certainly possible then they're going to go uh, towards him.
1: In Cater's favor, I'm sorry, in Emmett's favor, he's on a nice win streak right now. Those other guys are coming off of defeats, but they do have some pretty big names. It's going to be interesting. I don't know, Luke. I'm just starting to feel like Josh Emmett's that that motherfucker. He's that dude. He's good, dude. He's really good. I told you he's got the best tats in the game. You've been up on his UBL, upper bound limits, for a long time, so let me day one-ish and give you that credit. But he has earned it, dude. Yeah. Right? You know, just grinding. Yeah, and
0: not just not just tough guys, but like he's got he's overcome a lot of physical ailments. Even in this fight, his face was turned into hamburger and he looked like shit when he was on Michael Bisping's podcast, you know. Which I don't say like insultingly, I mean he just was through a rough experience. He has really sacrificed a lot to be here. And so if he's getting big wins against legit guys, and again, a three two scorecard for him is entirely justified, if not the outright correct one. You know, you gotta, you got to start thinking, what do we owe him? Uh, I know the UFC may not think of it that way, but I do as a media guy, and he might be owed one here depending on what happens. I know what I UFC owe him. A,
1: I owe him a spot on the Room Service Diaries couch, all right, Josh? And yes. Bring it. Let's go. Right. Okay. One more
0: fight I wanted to ask you about over the weekend very quickly, and we had kind of not, like, passed it over. We talked about it on Friday, and I did think that Artur Baterbiev was going to win but, dude, he beat the fucking brakes off of Joe Ew. Smith Jr. I mean, it wasn't even close. That double uppercut he had, lead hand, rear hand, and then eventually just pushed him over. The referee had seen enough. Joe Smith didn't make it outside of two rounds. It, correct me if I'm wrong, BC. Before this contest, he'd never even been knocked down. And no. Terbiev went right through him like a buzzsaw. What is your reaction?
1: It's not that we didn't think the ability levels between these two was wide. We did. But, Luke, we have to understand, Perturbia 37, despite that glossy record of all knockouts. Last couple fights, dude, you know, long layoffs, he just didn't look like the killer anymore. Dude, the killer's back. And I think he's back because of the level of competition was an upgrade here. It was a unification bout. Joe Smith Jr., despite being originally like a, you know, union worker turned fighter, He's legitimate now. His defense isn't bad. Yeah, he's a little awkward, but he's got a big right hand, Luke. We've seen him box rounds against better boxers and hang in there. Dude, he had nothing for a wired, fired up, ready-to-go Beterbiev. Luke, I don't know how long this window at 37 is going to last, but he really is back in full-on destroyer mode. I didn't do it 49 times, right, because it's a big joke, right? Haha, right, there we go. But I did rewatch this, this a bunch of times this morning, the, the round and a half that they gave us. Dude, did you see the variety of better beef who, look, the last two fights, he wasn't walking down and chasing people. He was more waiting for them to come to him. I think he looked at the strategy here, saw Joe Smith, big right hand, but technically there's still some flaws. He's still that union worker turned turned pro fighter, right? I think he said, look, the best way I'm going to exploit those flaws is to get him into a fight and I've just got better technique and more variety. Luke, when I say variety, I don't just mean the ability to switch from a jab to an uppercut to a hook to a body shot at any meaning. Each one of those punches, he almost has three to four different types, like a change-up, a curve, a looping one. There's times where he comes with that right cross for the the kill shot. There's other times where he loops it when he landed that first knockdown on the top of Joe Smith's head. He was constantly throwing different speeds, different angles, sidearms for a destroyer. To almost become straight on with you, walk you down to the ropes, have the defensive responsibility, yet still throw that much variety in a short space. Luke, when he's this dialed in, yo, he would fuck Canelo up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He All right.
1: Would. Like let, let understand that. Okay? Not the guy from two fights ago, the guy who came back from a one or two year layoff, whatever it was. This dialed in version of Better Beav, nah, dude. Nah. Luke, I, he may even do bad things to beval And obviously Dimitri Bivall, who just beat Canelo. That's the fight we need now for all four belts, undisputed. The problem in boxing is Anthony Yard has the mandatory now for better Beav. They just made a deal for that fight. It's going to come later this year. Yard's a British slugger, Luke, but not much more. You remember Sergey Kovalev going life or death to edge him out to get the Canelo fight? Mm -hmm. Um, We're not going to learn a lot there, but the quicker we can get into a Dimitri Bivol, Arthur Beav fight for all four belts, two unbeaten guys. We know Bivol's the, the crafty, cute puncher. But Betterbee's the absolute destroyer. Luke, seriously, rewatch that tape of how he set those shots up. This dude's next level. He's, He's next be- level. And the, next the interesting level.
0: part was I, I would actually I, I 90% agree with you. I would 10% disagree with you, but like only to compliment the point, which is to say the following. There were two times he dropped Smith. In, one was in the first, one was in the second. Uh, or rocked him or the referee intervened, where he actually backed up on purpose. So so he was walking him down and then just drilling him, but there were a couple times where he let Smith come to him and still dropped his ass. What do we say about pitchers in baseball when they can, when, to your point, when they have a changeup and a curve and a slider and a breaking ball? We said they have good stuff. Dude, Better Beef just has good stuff. He has so many tools to go to, so many ranges. Because this is the point. Like, oh, well, if he fights at long range, Joe Smith can crack him. Well, he never let Joe Smith really ever do that by virtue of some of the ways in which he was inviting pressure or then delivering it. And then all the different trajectories, all the different openings. They interviewed him. Did you see the interview afterwards? And they asked him, like, you know, what was the strategy here? And he was like, ah, he didn't want to insult the guy, but he was like, yeah, he was really open. So I just looked for the openings like dude he just saw all the all the various uh windows that had been slid open and was just finding all different ways to get in there dude joe smith was completely overmatched that was a I beating mean,
1: if you're new to better beef i mean when he fought alexander Vodzik to unify titles they were both unbeaten It was about three fights ago dude he sent Vodzik into retirement luke and that was a guy who was in his prime almost knocking on like pound-for-pound pound attention, you know? And and he just absolutely wa- wore him down and took care of him. The fact that he saw, like you said, an avenue to make this a quick outing against Joe Smith because that that technique, you know, was, was, was a wide gap between them. Damn, dude. Damn. So, look, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy who's this old, yet is 18-0 with 18 first-round KOs, and even though he's got, like, you know, three, four, five really good wins there, still kind of underexposed um, it's going to be fun to see how long he can carry this on because big fights await. Bivol, maybe Canelo. I mean, this is going to be fun to see. But when you watch him from footwork to setup... Dude, he's just different. And that's that's the shout-out to Mark Ramsey, his trainer. He's got Russ Amber on cuts. He's got Iceman John Scully from Connecticut as his chief second. They know what the hell they're doing there. This guy is, damn, still got it. Still got it. Motherf-
0: still got it. 100% finishing record among champions. It's pretty fucking special. So, and that was a unification, too. He has three of the four belts. Bivol has the other one. I mean, it's not like he was fighting a chump. He, he just made the guy look like a completely lower level. So... Amazing for him. All right, BC, let's turn the page here if we can. What a weekend of fights we have coming up. Not a UFC pay-per-view. That'll be the following Saturday. But quality fights just the same. UFC Austin was phenomenal. And UFC on ESPN 38 or Vegas 57, whichever number it is at this point, is also very, very good. I want to go through this, but very quickly, we start with the main event. Armin Sarjuki and taking on Mateus Gamrot. Now, BC, they're ranked 11 and 12, respectively. Armin at 11th, Gamrot at 12th. You would imagine that the winner here moves into the top 10. But the thing that I love about this fight the most is not just that they are very good and very exciting. And I know a lot of folks don't like it for this reason, but I actually really like it when young contenders have to face off against one another to see who's really coming or going. Because to me, the one who loses is not gone forever. They can rally and have a second or third effort in their careers and then get to the same kind of point. We've seen it a number of times. But this is going to be a big decider into very promising careers about who is going to be potentially... Maybe a title contender in the future, but someone who's really going to be entering that elite space, that top ten space. I think Armin Saryukian is one of the the, the best up and comers in all of MMA. Do you agree with my assessment that this yes. is more than just about rankings? This is a bit of a fork in the road, at least for this juncture in their career.
1: Absolutely, I love this type of matchmaking. It's hungry, aggressive. We have two guys that could, one could be the future. Let's find out, right? It's Ryan Bader versus John Jones. Back when they were both, you know, largely untested up to that point. Let's find it out right the hell now. But Luke, I think something that I've said it before. I'll say it once more. Right? Knew you would make me feel so good. Want to do you right? I mean, look, that's the best 311 song. It really is. All right, no, you know, people forget. You've never even heard their first record. You know, all right, back to this. Luke was said up before about this lightweight division. Two years ago, I thought historically deep, and even though now it's been passed by bantamweight on a global level, but certainly within the UFC for depth, star power, etc. Dude, it is transitioning very nicely from the older guard, the Fergusons, the the McGregors, even Poirier, even you know, RDA, who are sort of slowly starting to transition out. Now we've got Islam Mahachev, Brad Riddell, and really both of these guys, including the winner who's going to launch into the top 10, as you mentioned. It's among the the least, like, household name-sexy fight night main events, but it's sort of one of those where I think you're guaranteed to see two hammers try to figure out which one is actually the nail underneath it. Luke, how do you even, not, not break it down X's and O's, but, like, If I knew nothing about these two, what should I be looking for in this one?
0: I think this is going to be a real question of who... We'll talk more about this on Friday, but as a basic overview, both are very exceptional wrestlers. I mean, both can do a lot of it now, but I really wonder who is going to dictate the wrestling battle, which is to say, this is not meaning, oh, whoever gets the takedown. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, who is the dominant wrestler in the sense of, when I want to take you down, I can, and when I want to defend, I can. Because both guys have very good offensive takedowns. Mateus Gamrat lost to Guram Kutateladze, who fought over the weekend, um, in part because Kutateladze did get taken down a lot, but was fighting a lot off of his back. That's not really Saryukian's game that we've seen. So it's going to be a much more a bigger question of who can either establish the takedown, defend it, or immediately win scrambles. And then, if that's the case, obviously there's going to be a question of who can win on the feet, but they're very evenly matched. They have a lot of the same skill sets. The question is going to be who gets to put their thumb on the scale when it comes to having the better wrestling, um, either defensively or offensively, to decide how that fight's going to go within that dimension.
1: Luke, does the winner of this, you know I like to talk, I don't have my hammer with me right now, my Russian hammer, Luke. And by the way, when we're talking about Viterbiyev, from Dagestan, although he lives and fights out of Montreal these days, but when we're talking about that list across mixed martial arts, you know, it includes Bellator, it includes PFL. The hammers are coming on. Does the winner of this get added to that list of, you know, Eastern European-based hammers who seem to be ready to take over the sport?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Saryukian is Armenian-Russian, so you know, these are these are these. Are, we kind of look, group them all as like, oh, these are just tough dudes from mountainous regions who speak. Slavic languages but there are meaningful differences between them but yes to your point these are like it's interesting right like Georgia um Iran uh, we won't have many iranians but like Kazakhstan um Azerbaijan Uh, Obviously, parts of Dagestan and whatnot, that that whole region there, you get different religions, different people's different languages, but they're all kind of good at like wrestling, uh, Olympic weightlifting, these real kind of like masculine sports. There'd be no good reason why they wouldn't equally be um, adept at these kinds of uh, sports as well. And so you're just you're beginning to see that flow. From yes, very similar parts of the world, but meaningfully different in many ways too. I I just think it's an inevitability that you know you're going to see this and then more. I think Gamrot's Polish, though, if memory serves right. So that's a little bit different, but um, but yeah, but certainly Saryukin would be part of that larger ilk. I think of what you see. You see a lot of those same guys good in boxing as well, dude. There's I mean, Vekarjian and all the Armenian crews. They're Armenians. Gamrot is,
1: is 31 from Poland. I was unaware of that, but it still fits the larger. Territory there in Europe of what's going on, but Luke, um, you know, sp- particularly uh saryukian dude, uh, five in a row since that loss to Mahachev in in a similar type of matchmaking, although much earlier to this one. But Luke, he kind of looks like you now that you're in shape. You guys do resemble each other. I mean, is that Armenian power, right? You look very Armenian today, is what I'm saying, and I say that as a compliment, Luke.
0: <laughs> is <laughs> I, I don't know that I take it as one. <laughs> also, I look more like Saryukian's uh, to uncle than I do uh, his yeah. twin. But, yeah, he's he, he's in incredible shape. This is going to be a hell of a fight. But speaking of guys from that region, BC, whether you like the main event or not, the co-main event, I don't know how you can't. Neil Magney, by the way, give Neil Magny credit. This guy has been asking for the smoke from, uh, from uh, um, what's his face? Bores, what's his name? Hamza um, Chimaev? Yes, Chemayev. He's been asking to fight Chimaev. He's been asking to fight Hammers. Well, careful what you wish for, because he got one. Neil Magny is going to take on Shavkat Rachmanov in what is easily, easily, easily the biggest test of Rachmanov's career. Because he has looked, and you would agree, BC, he has looked very, very good but he's not fought anybody this experienced, anybody this talented, anybody who's got an interesting frame in the way that Magny does. What a fight in either direction. What a win it would be in either direction.
1: Absolutely, and on top of that, this isn't a Magny who's only made his name on being the guy who fights the people that no one wants to. He's won five of six coming in here, Luke, and that only lost a decision that went the wrong way against Chiesa, and he was you know competitive like he always is in all of these fights. 31 years old, you could argue is putting together the best sort of run, you know, that we've seen up to this point. But look, I have no, you know, misgivings here. If, if, a if an alien would walk off a ship tomorrow and put on a singlet and no one wants to fight him, Neil Magny's going to fight that alien, Luke. So he's, he's, he is that dude. He's that difficult out. He's got that cardio, but damn, we're going to find out right now how good your boy Shavkat Rachmanov is. And damn, has he looked really good. In fact, Luke, that list of hammers that we're talking about, I mean you know you can't put him above uh you know Mahachev right now but he's he's pretty damn high up there Luke I mean He's coming the hell on Luke. He looks to be good. This is that durable, not easy to contend with type of opponent. Well, we're really going to find out what Shavkat's plan B, C, D are because uh, you know Neil Magny makes you do that. So yeah, this Luke, this this could be the main event. It could. It could be, dude. I'm,
0: I'm telling be. you now, like the 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 people who are around Shavkat Rakhmonov, they've all privately reached out to me about it, and they all say that like he is as good as anyone in the gym, and usually. The best uh, by yes. far. And he's only shown a small smidge of what he's capable of. Now, again, Neil Magny is no one's pushover. This is a very difficult test. Funnily enough, Caesars has Rachmanov. I mean, even I am surprised by this, and I'm very high on Rachmanov. They have Shavka. Shavka Rachmaninoff as a minus 400 favorite in this contest. Little high for me, if you're asking, but uh, just the same We all talk about Chemayev and what he's done, and he's just exploded through the ranks. Had a bit of a come-to-earth moment against Gilbert Burns, but still got the job done, fighting very undisciplined, but still getting his hand raised. Rachmanov is taking a much different approach, much slower, steadier, kind of, I'm going to build the quote-unquote right way to get there. I'm telling you, we'll see what happens on Saturday, but if he makes, not short work, but if he really shines against Magny... It's not just that there's a meeting between Shavkat Rachmanov and uh, Chimaev headed down the line. It's that Rachmanov might have actually been the guy who, because of his development process, gets to the point where he needs to be in the yeah. right way, even though he got there a little bit slower versus Chimaev. Something to think about.
1: Yeah, good news for the welterweight division if that happens. I mean, dude, if he systematically breaks down Magni, like the way you're sort of in, 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 you know, teasing here, that that's a statement. So that's that's going to be worth watching just the same. What what if that gas tank looks a little uh looks a little pulled on come late round three? This is in play here against Magny, so we'll see what happens. Um, Luke, I, I can't help but look up and down this card and see Flyweight JP Bays back on after, you know, the very public breakup there with uh Cheyenne Villismus. Uh big win for Roman Delizay on Saturday, just the same if you wanna link the conversation together. But uh you're not into the idea of a catch weight out between them for the for, you know. like, Talk about a Money in the Bank briefcase there, Luke, for the winner. No? Nothing? Nothing? Okay.
0: Okay. Also on this card.
1: uh, (laughs) I guess guess I'm alone. I guess I'm alone on this, Luke. You know what I mean? You are certainly
0: alone. There are other good fights on the card. The JP Bay's fight, Cody Durden's is a fine fight. But I would also point out, BC, on this one, Chris Curtis uh, taking on Hadolfo Vieira. Vieira kind of needs to figure out if he's going to do something at this level or not. Obviously, he can beat some people, but like, are you really going to rise to the round? Are you going to be a Jacare or are you going to be a Hodger Gracie when it comes to MMA? We haven't yeah. quite figured that out yet. Also, Nate Maness, a phenomenal grappler, taking on Umar Nurmagomedov. He's the biggest favorite on the card, Nurmagomedov, at a minus 900 over Nate Maness. That is, uh, you don't usually see that in the UFC too often, uh, but here you have my- it as well.
1: Can I give you my BC Super Sloppy Special of the Week on this card, Luke? Let okay. me guess.
0: It involves the women because you're
1: a horn dog or what? <laughs> not true, Luke. Not true. Uh, first of all, shout out to Brian Boom Kelleher, friend of the program yes, and the extended right. MMA Beat family, who is back against Mario Bautista at Bantamweight. But look, the opener, women's strawweight, Vanessa Demopoulos, who, Luke, made a lot of headlines with the. The pole dancing training in the background for her last big win. Jumping in D.C.'s or Rogan's arms, excuse me. Um, you know, even though he was dressed like a busboy at a at a restaurant. Taking on Jin Yu Fry here, who's riding a two-fight win streak. Look, both, Fry's 37, both need a big win here. But this Demopolis hype train that she's, you know, you know, poured the coal herself to get this thing going. Um, let's see if she can continue it. Look, you don't like these undercard, like, freak shows would be a very not not correct it's not a freak show fight at all these are professional fighters climbing the rankings no question about it but when somebody uses sort of the outside the cage like the post fight interview to become like oh crap i kind of need to see them more you can't deny me that demopolis has become that am i right luke
0: um, not in my world I mean I certainly respect her as a fighter I don't mean to suggest that she hasn't done that yet but I am not scrolling I don't have your Instagram feed so I couldn't speak to See, it's your not,
1: not, it's not even like remotely about and I guess that that's, that's low fruit for you it's an it's it's easy fallback it's an assumption that I mean, most it's of our, opening our audience the card.
0: It's a, it's, a, it's a fight that matters it certainly matters for their careers in the way that you say it does I certainly agree but it's literally opening the card I, I don't want to overstate its significance either
1: Okay. Okay, all I know, Luke, is this is the same week that we're getting the rematch between uh, Britton Beltran and uh, Beck Rawlings uh, on BKFC. So, so look, I, I get into personalities, Luke, and there's a lot of personalities behind these fights, so... uh there you go. All right. By
0: the way, also Izzy's guy, the, the city kickboxing, Carlos Olberg, taking on, and I'm gonna mis- mispronounce it, so please forgive me. Tafan and is I think how you say it. Uh, Tafan is actually from this area, Camp Springs, Maryland. He trains over at Team Lloyd Irvin. He's looked really good. He's been a phenomenally heavy puncher. Um, he's got overall well-rounded skills. It's an interesting test. I think if he can find Olberg's chin, who is quite hittable, it's, it's, it's winnable. But they do have Olberg as a slight favorite. Minus 120 to uh, plus 100. Another one to keep an eye on. Also, Hallie and Paiva taking on Sergei Morozov and some other ones would, there as well. Would okay, you
1: say BC. Carlos Olberg is the best looking male fighter in MMA today? Would you say that?
0: Oh, by a country mile. Right, yeah, there you go, there you go. He's yeah. got
1: that going for him. We'll see if he can continue. He to He is fight handsome. I mean,
0: no one's ever accused him of being ugly. I can, I can certainly attest yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, BC, I will say this: beltor has got a card Friday night on Showtime from the Mohegan Sun. I believe it will kick off at 9 p.m. in the East, dude. This is a yeah. good card from Bellator, and we always say it. If the cards are good, we're going to say it. If the cards are bad, we're going to say it. This is a good one. There's a few fights to watch. Let's start with that main event here very quickly if we can. Gegard Musasi taking on Johnny Eblen. Now, BC, let's revisit this. I thought Austin I, I had a hipster pick, and it exploded in my face like Elmer Fudd holding the bomb or something that Bugs Bunny gave to him. Fair enough. Yeah. I just want to point out something here. One, the odds makers agree with me a little bit that this fight deserves to be treated as a little bit more serious than I think Musasi's online fans would like you to believe. They have Eblin as a underdog, plus two ten, Musasi as a minus two sixty. But this is not some minus four hundred, minus five hundred fight. Ebelin is undefeated. He wrestled at the University of Missouri alongside, well, not at the same time, but from the same program as Ben Askren, Michael Chandler, Tyron Woodley, Mark Ellis, right? He comes from a sort of a lineage there of good guys. He was a national Division I qualifier um, for the tournament in his senior year. He had done some great things. He is undefeated. He beat up John Salter relatively easily to get to this point. Now, has he fought anybody like Musasi, not even close. No, he has not. But I will tell you, dude, undefeated, full of confidence. His corner is like King Mo, Dustin Poirier. Like it's a, it's a fucking all star. Mike yeah. Brown. It's a lineup. How much of a threat do you perceive Johnny Eblin to
1: be to Musasi's title? In theory, a decent one because I do think of these. Of, of some of these guys who are like, you know, I've seen him, but has he won me over yet? I think Eblin's better than that. I think he's got plus sides to him. His motor, his wrestling ability, his intention to, to score damage when in top position. But, Luke, dude, this version of 36-year-old Musashi, like you've openly said, you kind of missed it. You kind of had questions. Dude, he's 12-1 and 1 since 2015. Okay. And, you know, that list of guys he's beat is, you know, I'm going to pull Luke Thomas and go up and down the wiki, but it's like, you know, Maheta Santos, Vitor Belfort, Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman, Alexander Slamenko, Rafael Carvalho, Luke, Rory McDonald, Leota Machida, Doug Lima, like Salter, Vanderford. Like he has been on a tear. And I think it's because of the late 30s efficiency that he sort of found himself in right now, he uses his wrestling in, in very credible ways when needing to offensively, but just distance, I mean just you know he's always been a, a very accurate striker. He's just a he's just operating on all, all cylinders right now. And you know Luke, I loved that speech he gave after dom- dominating Austin Vanderford about you know for the first time I like life, I feel like I'm the best in the world. I fear it's going to be too much even for a guy like Eblin, who for a contender comparative to guys like Salter and Vanderford, I think he's got another gear. I think he's gonna make this a close fight. But I still think this is no question Musasi's fight to to you know survive in advance and show us what he's got. Look, do you have any reasoning why Musasi doesn't get talked about for going twelve and one in the last seven years against pretty damn great names across the board?
0: What, two reasons. One, you could argue he should be 11-2 and because I thought Shlomenko deserved that win. Um, you right. I thought you're right. beat him. Uh, but, okay, that aside, that aside, and that was his first Bellator, I think his first or second Bellator fight. He was still getting the jitters out, so whatever. That aside, you're right. He has gone on an incredible run. I'm not exactly sure why it's gone somewhat unnoticed and even by people like me who are forced to pay attention to it and have to, and I kind of put it to the side. One reason might be that, like, you know McDonald and Lima were naturally undersized that's something that right and who is Austin Vanderford in the sense of like what has he done right he's did good things but he never fought like anybody like Musashi so he was kind of overmatched in that way that we certainly found, I certainly found out the hard way after the fact um, I, beyond that I'm not entirely sure but I agree with you like his run of late he has really come alive he's put all of the pieces of his game together The only reason why I think I'm not going to say that people need to be like, oh, Johnny Eblin's going to be the new champion. Certainly it's possible, but I'm not going to go here and declare it to you like as an inevitability. But I would ask for people to take Johnny Eblin seriously. And the reason why I say that is, again, undefeated young guy, blah, blah, blah. But he's just got really, really, really not just good takedowns. He's got strong control. Now, he doesn't have the passing or the positional dominance that Lovato Jr. had to beat Musasi, that part is lacking, but, and and we'll see how much ground and pound he actually is able to employ on a scrambling Musasi. But I do think he's going to be the stronger guy. He is going to be the far better wrestler. He's also going to get hit a lot more, which is going to change the equation too. But the reason why I think he's a threat and why the odds are not close, but closer than you might imagine them to be is because this dude has suffocating control on the ground. He's very good. As you can see here, he's got good sub defense. He's relentless. Um, he, he's a threat. I don't know how much of a threat we're going to see. But if this is, I'll say it this way. If Musasi is dialed in, there shouldn't be a reason that he loses over the course of five rounds. But yeah. if he doesn't take Eblen seriously, he is an upset threat here. And I do think that deserves to be mentioned.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's not, that, it's not as if this version of Musasi isn't you know, potentially able to be outworked or whatever. But Evelyn's going to have to raise his game to get there. And I, and I do want to double back. You mentioned, you know, the consecutive wins over Lima, or not consecutive, but Lima and McDonald, who are smaller guys coming up. That does package in the same four-fight stretch in which uh, Gegard lost the title to Lovato by majority decision ah. and then bounced back by beating an old Machida by split decision. So I right. could understand during that stretch, it didn't look that ne- Something during that stretch, Luke, you know, relit the off. fire, yeah. and and you are certainly seeing the benefits of that. But but look, this this card is very good because I'm I'm so excited about what's going on in the Grand Prix. But this main event, don't sleep on it. This is going to be fun to see whether we've got another. You know, uh, uh, who's the the welterweight champion that just kind of came on and started coming on so much that I can't even remember his name in real time. Logan Storley. No, the Welterweight oh, champion, uh, Amasov, the real one. Amasov, Yeah, Amas- uh, you know, Yaroslav Amosov just kept just kept escalating to another level each fight. Eblin has got a little bit of that going for him, Luke, That's where right. I would not, to your point, be be blown away if he stepped up cuz sometimes it just takes getting to that next level and, 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 and to raise your own game to match it, which is why I think better Reeves looked so great against Joe Smith in boxing last weekend. And I think you're going to see that here, Luke. So, uh, wow. By the way, when you interviewed Danny Sabatello, did you did, did that energy feel or taste anything like what you get from me on this show three days a week? Um,
0: that was that was like, <laughs> if I could make a fast food comparison, that was like five guys and you're more like Arby's. You know what I'm saying? You're like I mean, a beef I'll, and uh, cheddar. <laughs>
1: I mean, the Jamoka shake is so underrated that I'll, I'll take that comparison, but it doesn't make any sense. Thank you. It okay. doesn't make any sense at all.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of Danny Sabatella, so the Bantamweight Grand Prix continues. This is one of the great things I think Bellator is doing, and you pointed it out, BC. The Bantamweight division isn't just good in UFC. It's good in a lot of places, including but not limited to Bellator. Danny Sabatello, who was a like – a, he had to fight into the tournament to win, which he did fucking easily – Uh, now takes on Leandro Ego, who is much more experienced. This was so funny. I told you yesterday, I asked him, like, hey, what'd you like about, uh, what'd you make of uh, Leandro Ego? He's like, yeah, he fucking sucks. Like, he just went on and on. (laughs) One, I think he's a dynamic personality, and Bellator could use a lot of those. Two, dude, do not lose sight of the fact. This guy was, I think, a a Division I national qualifier for three years at Purdue. He can wrestle his ass off. He has all the confidence in the world. He's a very good athlete. BC, he can scramble. He's quick. Uh, He also has all those guys from ATT in his corner. That's where he went. He went on his own to go down there. He's a very interesting guy. BC, I normally would never say this. But you know, everyone because everyone wants the the tournament to have the Daniel Cormier story, where Cormier came out of the heavyweight Grand Prix and just fucking bulldozed everybody. And every time someone else is an alternate in a tournament, they're like, could he be the next Daniel Cormier? And the answer is no, there's one Daniel Cormier. I will say this: Danny Sabatello is a threat to win this entire tournament. And listen to the odds on this. He is favored by our friends over at Caesars as a minus 625. Over Leandro Ego at plus four fifty, who has vastly more
1: experience. Size this one up for me. Yeah, nice Julius Anglicus subtweet there, Luke. You're like, I, I know Julius. He's no I Daniel forgot about Cormier. That, actually, no. not that you're but, bringing it up, uh, it,
0: is, it is subtweetish, but I didn't mean it that way.
1: Yeah, uh, look, you know Sabatello. Aside from his upper bound limits to steal Luke Thomas, f- uh, phrase. You have to see what he's going to do next. I'm sorry. He the way the swagger that he carries. And he, I thought he said it great. And again, go to you, YouTube.com/slash/MorningCombat to see Luke's entire twenty-plus minute interview with Sabatello. But Luke, you know, he shit on the Henry Cejudo's of the world for being a little too cringe and calculated, while praising the Chael Sonnen and Conor McGregor's, and basically saying, "This is who I am. It's not an act. It's exactly how I get myself fired up. I hate the guy I'm going against. I want to kill him. And if you don't like it, fuck you." Dude, there is already a must-see quality in just seeing if he can carry this stick, and he's saying it's not a shtick. Up to this point, it's hard to disagree with that. Um, if he can back it up, and in the way that you mentioned, he just comes onto the scene, late replacement, this tournament kind of got flipped upside down, Pettis got hurt, right? We saw suddenly you got play-in bouts, there's a lot going on here. There was an interim championship on the line. Horiguchi you know, he, lost. Horiguchi lost, yet Sabatello just sneaks right in. And easily takes care of the, the first fight here against Lugo. And now calling out Leandro Higo, like you said, it's not just, oh, he fucking sucks. They all suck. It's like <laughs> the, the key to his delivery. It, it's key, Luke. He sets it up like he's going to give you a real detailed answer. He's like, you know, after reviewing the tape and really going up and down it, <laughs> I think the difference between us is he just fucking sucks. But like, you know, he actually seems to have at least that high of a motor, that strong of a wrestling background, and the intention and plus swagger I'm not comparing this to McGregor, but one thing about McGregor's run is it created that word people hate when I say it, magic, meaning he was able to elevate himself to performances that we didn't think were possible, right? One-punching Jose Aldo because the confidence in swagger was a fucking 10 out of 10 like every second of the day, right? Sabatello has some of that at the very least that I don't know where to put limits on that. I don't think his striking on the feet is next level or anything like that. But if he's able to get the fight on his terms, Luke, he may be able to just outwork even elites like he has one of those plus motors mixed with that. Would you compare his swagger plus wrestling to the Bellator version of Ben Askren when he used to ride people from behind and just like drive them into the ground?
0: He doesn't have that funk style that Askren was famous for. But like here to this point here where he's got wrist control and he's like signaling to the crowd to like cheer and stuff like that he does have a little bit of that verve where he just knows he's so much better than them in these positions and and wants to act out in that kind of a way. Yeah, in that sense, they are quite similar.
1: Now, he goes on a three-fight win streak, so he's coming in here in a, good, in a good stance, although we've seen him before step up and lose. He got stopped by Aaron Pico. This is going to be a big test, I think, for Sabatello. He may, Luke, he may walk through this with the ease that he did in the qualifying rounds, and we may be having... Uh, you know, the conversation's going to get escalated in terms of his future and, you know, would we even like him to win this championship right here in this tournament? But I think this is a good test on paper, just the same. Even if it ends up going that way, this is the right type of next challenge that I want to see. To find out if Sabatello's game is anywhere close to his level of confidence. But you know, you know your boy BC loves that 80s wrestling shtick he's got going on, Luke. I don't think it's cringe. I think it's right on the money right now. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, you gotta tiptoe that line and not get, you know, I think he's 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 doing it perfectly. His his outward business proposal that he's selling you through the camera, it's working, dude. Uh
0: also on this card is the other play-in. Uh, match on the right side of the bracket where Enrique Barzola is going to take on Magomed Magomedov now Magomedov was supposed to be earlier in this tournament but there was Ramadan and I think he may have been injured as well so they had to delay him he is coming off that loss to Ralphian Stotz back in August of 2021 so it's been a while since he competed but here he is against Enrique Barzola Barzola a highly interesting figure he does have five losses but he has really kind of improved of late and of course the one of the losses that he has is to Evloev, who was from the UFC. He left UFC himself and went over to Bellator, beat Darian Caldwell, and then had another win after that. Here he takes on Magomed Magomedov. Now BC, what's interesting about this one is I would have thought the odds would have been a little bit further apart. I certainly respect Barzola and I take his chances of winning quite seriously. Listen to these odds. They've got at our friends at Caesars. They do have Magomedov as your favorite, but barely minus one sixty yeah. to plus one thirty five.
1: Are you surprised by that? Very surprised. I'm like, what do we not know about Megamedov? Is there, is there nude picks out there that were unflattering? I mean, what's going on here, Luke? To correct you, and I don't think you meant to say it this way, this is not a play-in bout. This is a quarterfinal matchup in the tournament. Yes, Barzola, though, saying, you're right. came in through the door of the play-in victory last time out, just like Sabatello. Either way, Luke, I think Barzola looked like like Sabatello, like he belonged. But no, I don't give him that same level of chance, and I am intrigued about the basis of why the betting odds are like it this way, whether to you know swerve uh, movement in one direction or not. Because Luke, although Magomedov got, I guess you could say humbled by stats and that he was beaten in his own strength more or less on the ground, um, he's a dark horse for this tournament. No matter who's in it, but now you're telling me Horaguchi's out, Sergio Pettis out, former champ Juan Arceleta out, dude. If Magomed Magomedov comes in with the type of performance that we all have seen hints of knew was possible despite his loss to in which, let's give him credit, he f- kept trying to figure out how to try to win that fight. Luke, he, he's in play to win this whole damn thing. You better believe that. He's got to come back with one of those high-level performances, but his ability to chain-wrestle in that gas tank, he seems to be special. I don't know if we can put him on that hammer list yet, Luke, but he's knocking on the door just the same.
0: I, I'm going to say this. I think Magomedov is a much better wrestler-slash-grappler M- much is a stronger word. I'll say he's a better wrestler slash grappler. But I think Barzola, Barzola has better experience against better guys. I'll say that. Obviously, he fought Kevin Aguilar, Bobby Moffat, Movsar Evloev, hani Yaya, Right, He's fought in a lot of pretty good names. Um, but the other part to me is that Barzola is more well-rounded. He is more well-rounded of the two. And so for that reason, I am curious to see either one of two things. Is Megamadov's grappling differential so great that he can just rely on that? Or is he going to have to show us something a little bit new? Is he going to have to start bringing around the other parts of his game, which are by no means bad. Please don't misunderstand me. But his winning skill set against elite guys is going to be wrestling, grappling, top position, that kind of a thing. I want to see to what extent, like, what's the story here? Is it back to the same old thing that's good enough? Or is, are, we, are we turning the corner into a new dimension of the game, given what happened in the Stotts fight, given some of the time off? Very, very curious to see how this one plays out, for sure.
1: Look on the flip side for Barzola here, the, the native of Peru, I, I remember feeling like, although he outlasted Darian Caldwell to get the third round TKO, I remember feeling like, okay, but, like, did he win that fight or did Caldwell lose it? You package that with, we've seen him lose in various step-ups in the past. Do you think that victory in that play-in bout over Nikita, I will not attempt to, to brutalize his last name. Do you think that did enough to sort of show that, that he's not here by accident?
0: Yeah, no, Barzola is very, very good. Um, And he's getting something of an elevated role due to the changes that happened in the Bantamweight Grand Prix. Um, Also, Josh Hill got kind of passed over, even though he was sort of promised to be one of the alternates, but whatever. Uh, But at the same time, you know, there's some proving that has to happen here, I think, not just to advance, but to be taken... Like, Danny Sabatello's win to get this ego fight was... I mean, it was one. It was a one-sided beatdown. We need to kind of see like what Barzola is going to do against a much more established figure in this Bellator bantamweight division, you know, to take him seriously as a threat. That's sort of where I'm at. It's like, okay, you might be able to advance and win, but how seriously do we take your chances to win this? I'm not going to say Sabatello I favor outright to win the whole thing, but I definitely think he is at a bare minimum a dark horse to win it. Barzola. That remains unclear to me at the moment. I guess that's what this I would
1: good, say. This good. This good fights, man. I'm looking forward to this. shout out to Scotty Cokes and company over there at Bellator. Luke, quickly, we mentioned Peru. You know our listener hardcore Lee, right? Trains at uh, Nick Newell's gym in Connecticut. Russell that Duke. He sent us those Peruvian sauces because his wife is of that of that uh, background. Luke. Yep. He's been on record multiple times saying Luke needs to understand that Peruvian food is the alpha in South America. It's better than Colombian, like, by a lot. Luke, can you speak to that again? Yeah,
0: he's right. He's right. No one denies that in South America. Like, no one denies that. Peruvian food is by far the best food. Um, There is something to be said, though, that, like, overall peruvian cuisine is better and i don't know if you're aware of this there's a giant chinese influence in peruvian food that's why they have chalfa which is like their version of fried rice it's amazing and also they like one good thing about peru is like they also have a lot of good seafood and ceviches they're famous for it i will say this though peruvian food on balance is the best in south america but they don't have the best steak I've actually found that like the red meat and the way in which it's cooked, like in Argentina, uh, parts of Brazil, including even Colombia as well. They have a dish called Sobre Barriga, which is like unbelievable. Um, That individual dishes can give Peruvian food a run for its money. But on totality, yes, Peruvian food is the best by far.
1: Uh, Luke, do you have? Can you speak about Guyana at all? You never talk about them. They're they're in South America. I don't South know
0: America. much about Guyana. I I, okay. I hate to admit, but I, I'm I'm right. woefully ignorant about it. Unfair, they
1: like cricket a lot. But shout out to all the Guyanese MK fans that I know are out there. Right. Uh, also on this card males. is the
0: son yeah. of, uh, what's his face, uh, Jeff Brennan. It's Lucas Brennan, who was undefeated. Kat Zingano was on this card, taking on Invicta Champ, Pam Sorensen. Also, Brent Primus, taking on Alexander Shabili. I'm, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his last name. He's another top prospect at 155 pounds. Sobajo Masi's on this card. Alejandro, speaking of Colombia, Alejandro Lara is on this card. And top prospect, keep an eye on him, Cody Law, undefeated at 6-0. and yes. He's probably going to move to 7 Dude. here.
1: Cody Law is really good, so that's someone to watch. This is a loaded oh. preliminary TV card, which I know airs live on on YouTube, right? On, on, yes. On the Showtime and Bellator channels, also on Pluto TV, so if you yep. want to check that out. I, I'm sure one or two of these gets bumped up to the main card by the end of it, but Luke, Anatoly Tokov at uh, middleweight, yes. he's taking on Muhammad Abdullah. Dude, he's a grinder, Tokov, man. Yes, he's a 30 shit house.
0: is his record. He's unbelievable. Also, BC, Rat Garbage is on this card. Mandela you serious? Uh, Nalo. Yes, he opens rat garbage opens the card. Uh, Dude, that's musty TV night.
1: unto itself, but uh Sabahu Masi as well. Luke you mentioned Alejandra Lara. Dude, she needs a very impressive win, Luke. It's going yes. it's going in the wrong direction quick for somebody who's some like has
0: some issues I think with her overall development. Uh, she 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 had some good progress for a while, it's kind of stalled. Um yeah, I, I agree with you. I think to, to do something else in the sport, it's going to have to the level's going to have to be raised a little bit. So and we'll I see. believe
1: she's Colombian, Luke. So you know she is. she's good. from Medellin. Best of luck on Friday. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, she, although
0: Columbia. she trains out of Mexico, she trains out of um, the same gym as like Grasso and uh, Aldana and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's a good gym. We'll see, We'll see what she can do. All right. Topic number three. Now, BC, we've been over this a million times. But there actually is a new wrinkle. Never seen this one before. So Nate Diaz calls to be released from the UFC. That's not new. Nate Diaz kind of insinuates he wants to fight Jake Paul. Not new. Here's what is new. You had him tweet a video of Jake Paul knocking out Tyron Woodley saying, UFC, release me now, please. Or give me a fight with anyone in July or August. I have bigger shit to do. And I'm like, why are you bringing this up again? The reason why this is interesting, BC, is one, he's just openly like advocating. Before, he was kind of hinting at it. Now, there's no hints. But the bigger story to me was the Mac life asked Dana White about it. And Dana White was saying, like, he's like working with different fighters. And his point was, listen, Nate hasn't won a fight. He's won one fight in five years or whatever it is, five fights.
1: By the way, I love that he pulls that sword whenever he needs to. Although, when he wants to use Nate's brand, he's got no problem putting him in a big spot. Yeah, when he
0: wants to use, when Nate's brand is advantageous to him, it's the greatest brand in the world. When it's not, it's a fading one. But the bigger story was, he actually said to the MAC life, Dana, Dana White, UFC president, Yeah. Nate Diaz probably should fight Jake Paul. That's a fight that makes sense. BC, are you surprised Dana White said that out loud?
1: Yeah, I am. So it's almost, though, as surprised as I am, to be fair, it's meaningless unless action is taken. So you need quick action, and I need to know... How quick? Because we know that Jake Paul has a Showtime pay-per-view return date, August 6th in Madison Square Garden, with no opponent yet. If Dana White really means this, and by the way, if you heard the extended interview, there were were comments, as you alluded to, of Dana saying, look, I love Nate Diaz, blah, 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 worked with him forever, I'm not trying to hold anyone back. Sorry, it does look like you've been trying to hold him away from other things. So the action is what is needed on the back end, and the action is one of two things, Luke. Either outright release him, slash, say, Go ahead. We're not going to stop you. We're not going to cut you, but we're not going to stop you either. Or the other side is what we didn't think was possible, not possible, but we didn't think it was probable UFC co promoting with Nate opposite Jake to try to help it, you know, make even more money and become worthy of them being a co promoter. Look, I tend to not think that's going to happen because UFC doesn't need it. Why would you put Jake Paul in a leverage situation? So if it's not that, And I think you would agree with me that it's not that. Then take action and get out of the way. Let him go. Either cut him or say to him, go ahead. Because, Luke, I think that's what? August 6th is what? A month and a half away? Almost two months? I think Nate would take that fight, and I think that'd be a monster event, whether UFC wanted to be involved or not. But... Unless there's action, dude, these are just words floating in the ethos, Luke. Like, my bad jokes, right? Sometimes I think they're hitting. I think they're slaying, Luke. You know, like, like, hey, Dallas? Yeah, hello, all right. No, not slaying, apparently, Luke. So hollow bullshit words, I often say. So is this Dana quote. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong.
0: I don't think you're totally wrong. I think you're mostly right. But I will say that Dana openly saying I think it's a it makes sense for Nate Diaz to fight Jake Paul that is a new wrinkle. That is kind of, a, that's sort of like tacitly acknowledging they can't stop it. They can slow it. They can somewhat derail it. And they can make it less of what it ordinarily would be, which is what I think they're going to do. They're going to try and give Nate some, oh, he has to accept it, but they're going to try and give Nate some kind of an opponent who they think is going to demolish him so that it would ruin his stock or at least damage his stock heading into a Jake Paul fight. But I think the fact that Dana is finally openly talking about it kind of represents a little bit of the worm turning here. Now, Nate forced his hand by, like, openly using the clip of Jake Paul knocking out Tyron Woodley, where now when if you ask Dana, you're a media guy, and you stick a microphone in his face, you have to be like, hey, did you see Nate? Like, not even making some, like, weird allusion to something. No, no, no. He put the clip right in the tweet. You kind of have to ask it. They forced his hand a little bit. But saying as much that that's a fight that makes sense... Sort of like he has always said, like I don't quite, you know, the boxing thing is whole is all broken, and you know I, these guys are MMA fighters. Why are they boxing? This is the first time I can think of, of him saying an MMA guy fighting a YouTuber is actually a thing that coherently he can like accept and understand. That that puts you us in somewhat new territory.
1: You're not you're not like me saying okay, let's have action because look, it's again, it's one thing to say it, but unless he lets him go. Fight Jake Paul August 6th, it means nothing, right? Or, I mean, if Dana's smart and if he doesn't want to take part in it, which I don't think he does, wouldn't he wait until after that anyway? If he, so he's saying it publicly. Would, so you're saying it's most likely that he's saying it now, but maybe action comes in a few months after this Jake Paul window? I, think, the, or are you I saying, think
0: what he's trying to do is he realizes he can't stop it, and he realizes that under any condition, it's probably going to do big money. To your point, if he released him this instant, and they booked the fight against Jake Paul at MSG, I mean, does that do a million buys? It might. It might. It honestly it might. might. Dude, we, it might. It might. It, it might. But here's what I think he wants to do. I think he has tacitly accepted... Or previous to this point, anyway, tacitly accepted that that's an inevitability, and I think what they want to do is kind of lower his stock on the way out, not really to like have less combat sports competition, but to lower the potential reward for Jake Paul conceivably winning, and also you know let's just damage Nate on the way out. And I don't mean that in a sinister way. This is just what the UFC has often done. I bring it up all the so time. I tried it with Arlovsky against Jake O'Brien.
1: But that's what you think they're going to do. So that that's if if that happens, So what you're saying is you think okay, Dana said this. But they still want to book Nate in one more really tough fight, like against the Chimaev type. Yes. So that 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 means like that's not much different. If Nate has one fight left on his deal, how does that change anything? Dana saying that, Do you know? No, what I'm
0: saying, I guess Luke? I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is the way Dana is pitching it now is that he's pitching it in a way where it's like, oh yeah, that does make sense. Almost like, yes, your grandfather does need to be in a retirement home, like oh, that's the next stop on the train to sadness, and I guess that's where someone like Nate belongs. I mean, again, that's not my opinion. I'm not suggesting that's how I believe, and I don't know exactly how Dana believes it, but the way he's kind of leaning into it is like, all right, I can't stop this inevitability, but what I can do is I can ruin it a little bit, and by the time it arrives, I can frame it in such a way as that you look at it as something and we would look at it as less than you know Nate versus RDA or something like that obviously it wouldn't be that but you know to really downplay it to really almost turn it into a bit of a joke um, rather than because you know be honest if Jake Paul got Nate Diaz in the ring that elevates Jake Paul's brand does it not
1: Uh, hugely so I was going to ask you do you think it's because neither of us believe that Dana's going to going to do this in like a co-promotion sense like it like Mayweather McGregor nor do no. we believe this fight is on that level financially it's not but to your point it's still a big deal I don't even think Dana could co-promote this because doesn't that go against in some ways the deal he has with ESPN since this is a showtime date for Jake I mean does that does that does that play into it too Dana couldn't just go help out another network's pay-per-view correct
0: yeah that would be the other part too is J- now Jake you know, here's a question for you. If Jake was aligned with DAZN, would Dana want to stick it to him as bad? He would still want to stick it to him, obviously. As bad? What do you think?
1: It's interesting. That's an interesting wrinkle. Don't Dana and Eddie Hearn
0: kind of get along?
1: They do. And everybody yeah. else in boxing hates Eddie Hearn right now and is one by one openly turning on him. Dana loves him. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, again, without any action behind it, it this is absolute nothing. It's a fucking nothing, okay? But it's a, it's a nice... Sentiment, right? It's like, right. yeah, I believe fighters should get paid more. Okay. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Uh, Luke, in regards to the potential, whether it happened August 6th or, let's say, you know, November, Jake Paul in a boxing match with Nate, Nate, uh, with, uh, Nate Diaz, excuse me, Nate does compete at top level 170 pounds in MMA. Jake competes at 195 or so in boxing. How... Uh, do you give Nate Diaz like a, a huge chance here? A huge chance? Or what? what? How are you looking at this?
0: I want to see how Nate looks in his next UFC fight, which you know, may or may not tell us a lot, but it could potentially tell us a lot. I mean, it all depends on the nature of the fight, obviously. I can make a better judgment call there. I'll just say this. like I know it sounds, in theory, absolutely fucking insane to think Jake Paul could beat Nate Diaz, but I don't know how insane that is. You're right, he has the size advantage, certainly has a youth advantage. All he does is box. He doesn't do anything else. And no, I don't think Jake Paul could beat a prime Nate Diaz. Maybe he can't even beat an old Nate Diaz. I, I don't know. I think it's competitive. I think it's probably competitive. Yeah. Um,
1: and I think there's enough intrigue of what we don't know that that just adds on to the sales of what would be big to begin with because of the names. But when you add on, I'm not really sure who you know who wins that. that that's a potential blockbuster, Luke. So... Uh, dude, I I mean, like Dana could Crazy. easily just the right move is for Dana to cut the cord and say, Nate, thanks for everything. If you want to come back for a big fight, we'd love to have you from McGregor three, but go do it. But, dude, I, I just I—that's not going to happen without what you're saying, without running him through the Chimayev dry cleaning, uh, you know, run him through the car wash first. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. no.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, um, Mike Tyson, I don't, I'm not going to read the whole quote, but Mike Tyson was on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And kind of gave an indication that he'd be somewhat interested in a Jake Paul fight. Called it interesting. Says he's skilled enough uh, because he's winning. Even if he's fighting guys that you don't believe are good enough fighters, they should be able to beat him, but they can't. Um, He says he'd be kind of interested in it. I got to tell you, well, I don't really know how I feel about that. How do you feel about a potential Mike Tyson, Jake Paul? Because that's what it would be. It would have to be an exhibition. Yeah.
1: Whether it was Logan or Jake, they've both been rumored at times I have a very love-hate idea with this idea. One, because, like, Mike already had the happy ending, right? We never thought we'd see him again in any form of fighting, and he got into ridiculous shape, and shout-out to Mike, and, you know, he didn't get hurt against Roy and looked pretty damn good, and we were talking about him in all these other fights suddenly. So that part hurts me, Luke. I mean, because Jake Paul, for whatever you want to say about him, he's a big boy who can punch a little bit, right? Like, let's give him that credit. He's an athlete to a degree. Like, there's something there. But at the same time, dude... You can really talk yourself into the competition of this matchup, and that both have a shot at potentially getting a knockout here, right? Like, I know that's the the that's the selling point, and I think it, by the way, would do monster business. I, there's no way it couldn't, even if Mike was sad and decrepit, it would still do monster business. You better believe it would.
0: I'll, I'll just say this for my but, Jake Paul. But you don't want to
1: see Mike. You don't want to see a sad ending in this, Luke. You really don't.
0: Also, right? I just don't want to see a. I don't want to see a. Like, here's the thing. They tried the Logan Paul Mayweather thing, and it did big business. We were there. We had a great time in Miami. But in the end, it was just too weird to get a really fun fight out of it. Mayweather was stealing on him constantly, but he was so small relative to Logan. Because Logan Paul is a big, strong kid. Right, so there was not much Logan Paul could do except tolerate it, and he kind of had flurries here and there. It was just a weird pairing; it didn't really work. Like you want people who are roughly similar in size, roughly similar in a, in a few dimensions. This one's just too far apart. Like to me, the Jake Paul experience is much, much, much more interesting when it's an actual professional contest. I think you could make an actual professional contest with Nate Diaz, maybe eight rounds. I don't know if you could go ten, but you could probably go eight, and that's enough. That to me is reasonably intriguing. but when you're starting to hedge, okay this guy's 50, this guy's in his 20s they're going to be a, you know 30 pounds apart we're going to have exhibition, this size gloves, this size it just it, it ends up being something it's not supposed to. keep it you know reasonably in the same universe of where it's supposed to be to be you know uh, the proper stakes, the proper reactions, the proper kind of training to get what you want and I think you get a much better product in the end. that's my personal view.
1: Alright, um, I'm a little nervous. I'd still want to see it, dude. I, at the end of the day and I think, do you know how many clicks you'd get of people that are like, fuck the Paul brothers. They, they deserve, they have it coming for pretending they're boxers. Let's go to the bullpen and call Mike Tyson up. Like, dude, that's the ultimate impulse click buy. Like that dude, what is the ceiling on pay-per-view buys for this? It's it, That'd be insane. It's, One it's 5 1-5?
0: Th- right? Has to be. I-
1: I mean, we have we have recent, somewhat recent footage of Mike Tyson looking good, right? Like we have somewhat recent footage. You know what I'm saying? We have footage of him just beating the shit out of a guy on a plane. But like I, I just, I know? just
0: don't believe Jake. Given who Jake Paul has fought to this point and who he's really looking to get, I don't think he takes it even under hedged circumstances like an exhibition. I really don't. Um, you don't think I, Jake
1: would take it? Are you serious, dude?
0: No, I don't think he would take it. No. I, I
1: disagree. While I'm not here to tell you that Jake Paul is all these a million things, I mean, like I think he's an—he's honestly trying to be a good fighter. I give him that credit. Yes, but he trains. But, he
0: trains hard. The kid trains but hard.
1: He's a smart businessman, and like Logan accepting the Floyd fight. When you're like, how the hell is Logan gonna not get you know beat up badly? And by the way, it turned out to be a weird show, as you mentioned. Not my favorite fight, Logan Floyd, ever by any means. But it was a little weird to see that you know Floyd couldn't do what he wanted to. Uh, I think Jake is like, I gotta take this chance. Dude, it's Mike Tyson. I gotta take this chance, right?
0: Dude, I think, you know, it's hard to... Okay, so let's imagine worst-case scenario for Jake. Takes the fight, makes a gazillion dollars, but gets stretched, right? However unlikely that might be, that is at least conceivably on the table. If he gets stretched, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Jake Paul show is over. I think that's a little bit overstating it. I lived through Kimbo Slice losing. It's not quite true that once they lose, the balloon pops, but it does do significant damage. It does actually have an effect. It especially Kimbo was it was it was polarizing, but over time became beloved. Jake Paul is you know he has a fan base for sure, but he is quite polarizing in a, in a similar kind of way. Or actually, I would say even a worse way. If you get stretched, again he could probably come up with some fights afterwards like that. And I know I was like, "Oh, he lost to Mike Tyson," but dude, you know what the narrative would be? The narrative would be he lost to a guy in his fifties who's been smoking weed, wearing bumblebee costumes on TikTok, <laughs> you know, not taking it seriously at all, and he got fucking put his got his lights put out. This guy can't beat anyone for shit. Eddie Hearn, who has said he's waiting for Jake Paul to get chinned, would have a field day. I think he has to take fights now where he can at least reasonably look good but he has to be able to shine a little bit. I don't think he shines in an, even in an exhibition against a 50-year-old plus Mike Tyson. I don't.
1: Yeah, there there's a lot of pro, you can if you're Jake Paul you can look bad. If you if you abuse Mike Tyson you'll look bad. You know what I mean, like there's ways you can look bad in this scenario, but anytime you're doing circus type of promotion, which this is to a degree, it has that risk Luke, okay? Dude, you know and again the
0: ropes this, held the ropes held up Jake Paul against Tyron Woodley. What do you think Mike Tyson would do?
1: I know. Like, come I know. On. And, You know, Mike Tyson still got it from the standpoint of, like, in any given minute, can he put together a combination that ends the fight? Yeah, he showed us against Roy Jones that if he takes it seriously and gets in stupid shape with... I mean, look, he's got access to to things that he didn't probably in the 80s to get himself in stupid shape. You know what I'm saying?
0: No doubt about it. All right, BC, uh, topic number four here. Kind of a small one, but it's interesting. Old Bob Arum. Old Bob Arum is still out here making news. Uh, He did a media scrum. And they asked him about Fury versus Francis Nganu. Here was his quote. Uh, quote Well, I think he's still, the MMA guy is still recovering from an injury, which is true. But I would love to do that fight. And depending on Ganu's contract with the UFC, we'd either do it with or without the UFC. But that would be a huge, huge event. BC, was would UFC co-promote with Bob Aramon? For folks who don't know, they haven't beefed recently. But throughout the entire 2010s, all Dana White did was call Bob Aram a scumbag who was ruining
1: boxing. So I don't M- know how likely that is. UFC is a bunch of skinhead fans watching other skinheads fight. Yeah, well, ro- No, roll around on the floor is what he said. Yeah, there, there's been a lot of those takes from a lot of boxing folk. Uh, so no, I don't love this fight, but here's the deal. And I get I get. there's a way that they could make this must-see and very entertaining by, you know, coming together on the rules like like they've been talked about. And, of course, we're in the Triller triad days where could you put small gloves and BKFC-style holding on this fight and make it more interesting? Possibly you could, yeah. I only think Dana White is going to do it, Luke, if there is some form of Disney-related huge upside in him doing them a solid in that regard because no one's doubting that if promoted right... And using the vehicle, you know, Sports Center on ESPN, on in every gym and you know, in gym, in a cafe here or there, you know what I'm saying? Like the promotional vehicle-wise, it's a slam freaking dunk. But Dana has no real need to do it, and I do think it opens up a, a Pandora's box potentially for the control that Dana and company have over, you know, money and a lot of these he- negative headlines that are happening because of the control they have. If they give in to Engano, yes, they would. You know, get him back under contract, and you can still make Engano in ridiculously big fights with, you know, Stipe and Jones and Gone and all that. But it also, Luke, would be, it'd be, it set a new precedent in a lot of ways. So I don't think it happens unless there is something that can only be done like at the Bohemian Grove among high level CEOs. Like if Dan is sitting down with Disney and they're, you know, there's giant stacks on the table and they're like, you know, you do this for us. Well, you know, we won't tell John S. Nash about this non documented budget bonus we'll give you right here um do you agree with me on that luke that it's certainly possible that everybody involved could say yes to this with the ufc's inclusion in this right but it's not it's not the most likely scenario correct i think it's the least
0: likely scenario
1: all right then we're we're on the same page here luke all right
0: (laughs) i don't think i don't i'm not saying there will never be a scenario where dana white doesn't well, I'm, okay, I am not arguing that Dana White never works with a boxing promoter again. That's not what I'm saying. It is entirely possible we live in a strange world. Strange things happen. But Bob fucking Arum, I mean, <laughs> no. And and even though they would financially benefit on that, you know, on Francis's behalf, I don't think the UFC is all that happy with Francis right now. So. No, I don't I don't perceive that happening whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I fully uh, agree with right. you on that. I'm just Let's, saying it's possible to close on this before yes. you transition out, Luke, because I think people do care. Um I, I wanted to ask you this, if I can remember what I was about to ask you. I'm sure it was great though, Luke. Tyson Fury. Eddie Hearn has echoed some sentiments I've heard related to Fury constantly saying, I'm retired, I only want to come back for WWE or or to or to Box Francis, right? Like you hear that a lot from Fury. Do you agree with Eddie Hearn and some of the dissenters? that Fury is not just trying to control the, the negotiation leverage narrative by doing the whole tease of retirement, but that he really hopes Anthony Joshua beats Alexander Usyk in their summer rematch, and if he doesn't, he may not see the value in taking on someone as hard to deal with as Usyk for all four belts and may consider you know, using this whole thing as a facade to walk away and avoid that. Do you think there's any any levels of truth to that?
0: Yeah, sure. For sure I think that. I mean... I would pick Fury to beat Francis in a boxing match, obviously. I would pick him to beat Joshua, and I would pick him to beat Usyk. I think Usyk's the most competitive of the three, but I still think Fury beats all of them. And again, we're talking about a Fury who's in shape, ready to go, the whole thing. Um, but at this stage, given what, how much money he could make, one direction or the other, what he has to prove, what he has to lose if something went wrong, if he took one of the tougher fights that he doesn't necessarily have to take— how he might play one opportunity off of the other and hedge it as a way to get certain outcomes that he might prefer. Yes. I totally think he's looking at the way in which you described for sure. I believe that.
1: I mean, he's always working, right? You know what I'm saying? Like he's always doing something in a calculated way, or he's just goofing off. And it's hard for us to tell which way he's leaning at that moment. But Luke, I will say this. If he did that, if, if Usyk beats Joshua, and we have a chance right now to do a four-belt heavyweight champion. You know, the biggest fight you can make in the sport. Both guys unbeaten, by the way, right? All four belts. like, And he avoided that purposely to go boxing Ganu? Like, and, and didn't... Now, look, that doesn't mean he couldn't come back into the... Heavyweight boxing, you can last forever. It doesn't mean he couldn't take three years off and make money and get fat again and do WWE. You get my point. But in the prime window... If you would allow the narrative to say that okay, you were unbeaten and you you were great, but you didn't you didn't try to fight everybody in your era and you walked away from because look, I agree with you. Fury versus Usyk, which is a hella interesting matchup, dude. We're both picking Fury, and if they, you know what I mean, like there's a lot of there's a Fury has so many more ways to win that than an Anthony Joshua would. No, you know what I mean. So no, I don't. I, no. I would not accept that I, w- as a public narrative in terms of his legacy. And, and you could not accept that as a, as a honest boxing fan. Luke, you couldn't tell me, tell me the truth. You couldn't him no, walking you couldn't. away. You couldn't. No, no, you can't do but that. It doesn't shit.
0: mean he won't do it, especially if the price is right in one direction or the other. So we'll have to see. Uh, all right. Last but not least quick hitters, BC. These aren't that great. Um, we'll go through these very quickly the rest of the ufc 278 card was announced this of course will take place i believe in salt lake city this is going to be on august 20th this is leon edwards taking on current ufc welterweight champion kamara usman who dana has declared as incontestably the greatest welterweight Yo, of all time i don't what
1: the don't hell is up with that Dude, what is that just him trying to stick it to GSP? What are we doing here, bro? Yeah, I mean, Seriously. Dude,
0: guy you're making money off of, guy you're not making money off of. What do you think the promoter's going to say? Listen, it's not that there's actually not an argument to make for Kamaru if you really want to look at it, and it's difficult because if you just look at title defenses, GSP got to a title earlier in his UFC run by virtue of the way the sport worked back then where there wasn't this long contendership queue. But I would argue that, like, the guys GSP beat, like, that record, that body of work is better than Kamaru's body of work. Now, you can have a debate about that. It's not, like, an ironclad truth. But, like, to say that, like, Usman is incontestably, undeniably, I think was the word he used, better than GSP, that is not true at all. It's certainly a, a, a point you could make, but it's hardly, like, like, for example, who's the best light heavyweight of all time? It's John Jones with a bullet. Like, I mean... Whatever else you want to say, that's the best. And the second best guy, Cormier, is a pretty distant second. You are we saying Kamaru is that to GSP? That that's nonsense. That's not true yeah. at all.
1: Um, sorry, Senator. I, I've I know Jack Kennedy and you're no Jack Kennedy. I yeah. mean, come on, dude. Like all unless right. you're just trying to entice GSP to come out of retirement to prove him wrong.
0: Uh or to shit on GSP who might be free of his contract, who could take a boxing fight against De La Hoya. There's also that too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Also on this card, we talked about it previously. Jose Aldo will be taking on Marav Diwalashwili, which is a fun fight. This one was interesting. It was supposed to happen in, I think, uh, even before this, but it was supposed to happen in July. They moved it to August. Luke Rockhold versus Paulo Costa Hell will yeah. be on this card as well. Um, Dude, this card
1: kind of rocks, right? It's
0: not bad. Marching Tybora taking on Alexander Romanov for Romanov. That's a big test. Tybora is kind of like slept on by fans, and yeah, he's had ups, he's had downs. He's not the best guy in the division, but Romanov looks to be somebody to pay attention to. You beat Tybora. That's a pretty legitimate win as you escalate through the ranks. That's going to be one to pay attention to. Leonardo Santos taking on Jared Gordon. Tyson Pedro against Harry Hun sucker. Um, yeah, don't, some good fights don't up. Don't forget and down this about way. a
1: red hot Sean Woodson, Luke. Okay. Thank you.
0: I will not. Uh, Luis Saldana. All right. Also, BC, making the news. I don't care so much about this. It was kind of interesting. Piotr Jan calls out Henry Cejudo, and Cejudo responded to the call out saying, only if you had had the gold, I would have loved to have buried you. And should you go back to Dagestan and learn more wrestling because you got out wrestled by Division Three All-American, that wouldn't be smart of you taking an Olympic champ after that lose, loss spelled wrong. I'm after gold, ho. Bend the knee, knee spelled wrong. Jan responds, The truth is you retired the day I became number one contender and unretired on the same day I ceased to be a champion. Now you're ducking me again only to po- proving those facts. Hudo responds, And you lost to Aljo Lame. It's a very funny joke uh, if you've been hit in the head with a hammer. Do you think the Olympic champ two-division UFC is going to play with sorry-ass contenders? Your fat-ass bold manger is going to get your hurt. <laughs> I'll give twenty percent off if you subscribe to my technique of the week. You know I'm getting the title shoot next.
1: No. I don't know if Henry's
0: writing those tweets, BC.
1: I'm just going to point that out. Oh wow, Are you trying to say there's somebody else that that writes those for the fighters? That'd be that'd be cringe. Luke, I'll tell you this though. Um, you know I've supported Cejudo, understanding his value, leaving for a while on his own terms, and now trying to parachute in for big op- opportunities. Dude, I, I'm here if he wants to fight Volkanovski, Connor, whoever. But I'm kind of sick of this conversation. I know he's taking the steps to get himself back in the testing pool, and we're, we're in the process right now. And I know that he's also trying to land this, you know, put out fielders, land a big fight. But I am getting a little sick of this. I want to see him fight now, Luke. He makes big fights against everyone. I do think he is super elite, top of the pound-for-pound pound consideration, when active, had that incredible year, multiple divisions. I love me some Henry Cejudo, despite the cringe. But I'm ready for the fight now, Luke. Okay? If it's Jan, yeah. hell yeah. If it's Jan, hell yeah. Absolutely. Hell yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm a little sick of it, too. Um, just two more of these very quickly. Dana says he's not going to rebook Cerrone versus Lozon. The first time they booked it, Cerrone got uh, sick last minute, like a food poisoning kind of thing. Then they rebooked it moved it like a few weeks later. Joe Lozon had a patella tendon issue, which he then resolved... Last minute, he had some kind of weird condition where I guess it was like dislocated or whatever. Fixed it. Tried to get the fight again. It still wouldn't happen. And Dana White's like, I'm not going to rebook it. Last but not least, BC. I don't even know what to say about this one. So you can take this one away. September 4th, Fox Sports pay-per-view. Dude, who is going to pay for this? Andy Ruiz taking on Luis Ortiz. Not the worst fight
1: in the world, but on pay-per-view? Okay. Not the worst fight in the world. No. On pay-per-view? Hell no. A two-year build to get to this fight? No. It makes no sense. I don't really understand of late uh, what Fox has been doing, although the Keith Thurman-Mario Barrios fight, like, good fight on paper, not really a pay-per-view. Still, people paid for it. Fun fight to watch. We haven't heard anything from them since, seemingly, Luke. Uh, So it seems like Fox playing out the string of the end of their PBC deal. It's still a fight we kind of have to see what happens. Ortiz, 43, kind of went life or death with... Charles Martin and in, in Prince Charles Martin whatever Sir Charles Martin I don't know you know the guy I'm talking about in their January 1st pay-per-view which was another puzzling pay-per-view direction um Ortiz still has something Ruiz hasn't fought since uh getting up off the canvas to be Ariola in another pay-per-view that probably shouldn't have been I like the fight I like the matchup the winner could get a big money you know heavyweight fight but this is like trying to serve me a, a grilled cheese on a you know with a steak knife Luke right does that make any sense? I don't know. Does it depend on what's inside the grilled cheese? I mean, do you get tomato in yours, Luke? It's it's automatic, right? You got it. Ooh,
0: You know what my go-to is? Well, I haven't had it in a while, but it used to, actually it used to be my go-to. Uh, I like to get a wheat bagel, toasted cream cheese with a tomato. That's my go-to. I like oh, that that's, little. that's
1: badass. Oh, one more for you on the way out, Luke. Sportsbetting.ag, who always seems to put out those odds on on fights right after people whisper about them. They have Nate Diaz as an early minus 250 favorite over the plus 170 Jake Paul, which is the exactly opposite sort of early stance that I had of, like, this size difference may be more than people think. They're like, no, these hands difference, Luke, are going to be the difference.
0: Maybe, but, you know, Diaz is not young. And, again, they're going to give him a rough-ass fight on the way out. That's just the way it's going to be. Which Nate could do the impossible. You know, not the impossible. He could could, could surprise people and stick it to UFC. Again, I saw it with Arlovsky. Everybody thought Jake O'Brien was going to run him over. And he didn't. So we'll have to see. But it it could get interesting. Uh, And that's it. That's it for... Our quick hitters. It's time for your feces, BC. Yeah,
1: it's every Monday at this time, although today is Wednesday, we do BC's Feces, which is me scouring the globe for the highs and lows, we should, the good, bad, we the should ugly. change the
0: name of this top, this uh, segment from Have You Seen This Shit to BC's Feces.
1: Uh, The good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between in combat sports and beyond. And boy, was it a loaded combat sports highlight weekend. Look, trying to pick through that UFC card, I could have put every fight. I seriously could have put a video from every fight on there in Austin. It's called, Have You Seen This Shit? Oh, God. Luke, UFC fight night in Austin. Did you see women's strawweight Maria Oliveira, who had swagger all week at this event, licking the blood off her gloves. There, she's in the yellow from Brazil. Luke, she did it after the fight as well. A lot of people making BJ Penn memes. I originally took my mind to the lava shack, but uh, you into this, Luke? It's a little
0: overdone at this point, but I'll, I thought I thought Oliveira. I can't say I thought she deserved to lose because I wasn't fully watching the fight like a judge. So I don't. I, I can't say that. I, I did think that. Um, DePaula was piecing her up a little bit later. But, dude, you're right. She came in there like, I mean, from the opening bell, she was set on fire. So I kind of like her swag. I got to be honest. But yeah, split look at the blessing. A little overplayed.
1: Split decision win over the three rounds against Gloria DePaula. There was also some dancing on the stage of the weigh in. So she's getting our attention here, Luke. Let's keep it going, though. Friend of the program, Adrian Yanez. Putting them hands that you mentioned as some of the best boxing in the UFC on Tony Kelly. Look at this handiwork, Luke.
0: Bro, did you see Tony Kelly responding on social media afterwards? No, I didn't. Dude, he doubled down. I mean, he, uh, what did he say? Something about like some, I don't even want to repeat it. Some racist shit about Latinos and what they do. Not good. I'm I'm like, bro. (laughs) Okay, man.
1: Um Probably not the way to handle things, but uh, okay. <laughs> Mr. Campanis, can you please uh, put the microphone down? Thank you. Uh, Luke, uh, speaking of Yanez, here was his take slinging that Texas shit after the fight.
2: We don't care where you're from, where you're at. If you're in Texas, you're fighting Texas, guy You're getting slept.
1: Texas Forever Street. Yeah, Luke, you in on that?
0: I do love Adrian Yanez. I think he's a... Wonderful talent. I don't love Texas that much. I got relatives in Texas. It ain't that money. It ain't for Hey,
1: me. Joe. Ro- Joe Rogan in the crowd. Did you see that?
0: I did. I did, and I was like, wait. Oh, he doesn't do fight nights. That's right. He only does the pay per views. So, and uh, at yes. the only domestic pay per views at that. That's a good gig, bro. What do you? Oh, let me yeah. ask you a question. What do you think his per event check looks like? Serious question. For
1: Joe, for Joe Rogan, you do have to understand the levels of fame he he reached due to his podcast blowing up and the Spotify deal and all that. It was more than I ever thought for a guy who hosted, what, Fear Factor, was in a popular sitcom on NBC, and is a world-renowned comic. I mean, he's uber-famous. So his per night to call... So what are you paying, if you're the UFC, for him to call a pay-per-view?
0: I think it's six figures.
1: I was going to say it's 75 grand too high. You're going to go right up to six figures.
0: Oh, I think it's much more than 75 grand. Yeah.
1: I mean, is it because... We're always blown away in TV, right? When you find out that the you know lead actors in Seinfeld were making what, like multiple million per episode by the end, right? Like yeah, it was like yeah, something yeah. I don't, ridiculous. I don't think, yeah,
0: he's not in Seinfeld territory, but if you told me two fifty grand a pop, I would, I wouldn't, I would believe it. Damn,
1: damn, dude. Dude,
0: think about it. I mean, he, how many pay per views does he do a year? Like nine to ten. He doesn't do all of them. Sometimes less than that. So that would be what two and a half mil a year? Like that seems about right. That seems actually.
1: that seems about right. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Doing less dates also increases that that uh, per per outing number. Uh Luke, let's keep it going on this undercard. And again, I know I had so many to pick from, but how about Cody Stamen sending Eddie Wineland into retirement very brutally? Yeah. Dude, this was one way, one minute traffic here.
0: Yeah, the, the ref could have stepped in a little earlier here. Uh, you know, he was. Yeah, I mean that—that was the end there within a minute of the first round. But that went on for a while. This was like (laughs) this was the end of the bear mauling, but there was a beginning to the bear mauling too.
1: Luke, you want to say anything nice about the? the inaugural WEC Bantamweight champion, Eddie, Eddie Wineland.
0: He had a great, honestly, he had a great career, dude. He he was in a lot of big fights. He had some solid wins. He did it for a really long time. He always had an awkward style. He always kind of stuck to it. He represented the Midwest the whole way. Like, he should be very proud of himself. Um he had thunder. He had
1: thunder. And then fish too, Luke, okay?
0: Yes, he could, in his day, he was a formidable, formidable opponent. Dude, like, now, again, everyone wants to be like, oh, either you're John Jones or you're nothing. Nah, man, there's a lot of in-between. And Eddie Wineland occupies a very, very, I, I would say, um, you know, he occupied a really great space uh, for the time he carved out in the career. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, Wineland walks into retirement, Luke. If you're wondering where Stamen walked to after the win, let's hear from him. What's that. up, Texas? Let's go! I'm getting fucking wasted tonight! <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that was me every night of my 20s, like, looking in the mirror. That's very, like, 2008-ish for UFC, right? 2009-ish. It's like that yeah. had the whole promotion had that vibe. But now when we see, you know, the, by the way, speaking of cowboy, I didn't put it in here. I could have. Do you see his kids dressed up in the full three-piece suit with the Monster Energy cowboy hat? You into that, Luke? No? Uh,
0: you, uh, you know, everyone's got their own way of living. I'll, I'll, you know, okay. I'll put it that way. I'm
1: not going to tell cowboy how to live. Luke, he's a legend. Damn right. Uh, all right, Phil Howes, Luke. Put it on. Hawes, Golden Hawes, Boy Hawes, MMA alum. Phil house
0: Phil Haws House, like yeah, that's pause. what I said
1: Haws yeah uh he put it on uh mini me to DC Duran Wynn oh. they finally stopped this bloody battle I know there was a dust up after between DC who told house to be respectful uh, during the commercial how full ha- full house over here Phil house uh Luke were you impressed though this was a brutal beating you
0: know what did you see the video Duran Wynn put out like he he narrated Phil Howes beating his ass and he was like, no. and uh, it's hilarious, too. Like, I feel bad for Deron Wynn. He's a good dude. Um, but he was like, all right, here, it, it, this is exactly how it went. He's like, all right, now you see Phil Hawes, uh elbowing me for the 30 millionth time. That shit fucking hurt. And here he is left hooking me. Yo, that shit really hurt. Like, he just goes on and on about the guy getting his ass beat. I give Deron Wynn a lot of credit for, like, you know, yes. just, I, I, we always talk about this. Everyone always interviews the loser and I know a lot of fighters like oh there's nothing lonelier than when you lose and like you know when you win everyone's congratulating you when you lose no one is but from the media side I'll say this like I want to be respectful of someone having time to themselves to lose I don't want to stick a microphone in their face but I will also say at the same time BC sometimes the loser has much more interesting things to say than the winner this would be one such case.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and and if you're wondering why, like, why would Win take that beating? There was like a brief second where it looked like he was coming on in the second half of that fight, and and you thought the you know the gas tanks were going in opposite directions, but that wasn't true. Luke Phil no. Hawes kicked his uh, damn. I mean, shout out to Duran Win for taking that, and, and hopefully hopefully bounces back. Luke, uh, that was a lot of
0: abuse he took.
1: Uh, PFL from Atlanta, Luke. Did you see Josh Silveira, of course, son of uh, Brazilian Trek Conan Silveira of ATT fame, Luke? He put it on Martin Hamlet in a crazy finish here.
0: Yeah, we talked about this, Aaron Bronstetter and I, on Friday. It's Silvera. He is the son of Conan, who is sort of a famous coach, former fighter himself over at ATT, big old dude. And his son is undefeated. This was another one. He got first-round stoppage. I think this was his PFL debut. And he is uh, – I think I think what Aaron told me was UFC wanted to sign him, and they were going to, and he went to PFL instead. It's not a bad call. You get some good experience, and if you win the whole thing, you get a shitload of money yeah. in the process. I, I, it's an interesting choice that he made.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He looks to be the goods here. I've seen him before in terms of the whispering for you know Conan's son is turning pro, and, and he looks to be pretty damn good. Martin Hamlet was, was in contention, I believe, last year for that championship, so this was a good win for him. Also at PFL, Luke, Jeremy Sheev- Stevens shaved seemingly every part of his body to try to make weight. But now the videotape emerges of a Daniel Cormier UFC 210-like potential cheating? They say, if you look closely, S- Stephen's left heel lifting off the ground. He didn't grab the towel like DC, but Luke, do you smell fishery in this at all?
0: A little bit. Look, actually, look at his outside toes. Yes. His, no, no. It's less to me about the heel, and it's more, as a guy who has to weigh in constantly to monitor his progress, um... He, he, your all of your feet have to be on the black part that where the sensors are. So he's actually putting less input on the sensors. Uh, but you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So whatever.
1: rubbins racing, yeah. Uh, Stevens did get the win. Did you? Were you impressed? I think he got a split decision over Miles. Uh, someone.
0: Yeah, Miles I didn't see. The, I didn't see the fight. I did Price? see that he got the win. But yeah. All
1: right you're like we I don't watch that shit. Luke, it's good. PFL's good this year. No, P- 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 PFL, Pfl has fights.
0: After. PFL has fights on Friday night as well. Anthony Pettis is back. It's actually a decent card, but we'll talk about that on Friday.
1: All right. Luke, how about this? You know I, I get sentimental for these homecomings. Yuri Prohachka. Wow. coming well, back how to How about the, this? Coming back to the Czech Republic as the as the warrior champion he is, Luke, well earned. Well earned.
0: My dad took me to the Czech Republic on a family visit in 2001. It's a phenomenal place. I didn't know what kind of support he—because, you know, if a fighter goes back to, like, Rio de Janeiro, yeah, they're going to be treated as, like, a big hero or something, right? Because, you know, I'm just saying, I've been told that in Brazil, soccer, of course, is number one, but MMA is right behind it, which is kind of crazy to think about. I mean, it's a huge country with, you know, a lot of people. Um, I just didn't know what like what's the Czech Republic going to be like and dude they showed the fuck up for this guy I was so happy to see MMA popular and like these pockets that we don't really have access to here in the States to better understand look at that that was great.
1: I mean, it, it, it's it's like I, I kind of I w- I've always loved it, whether it's like uh, Yao Ming in the NBA or remember when Ichiro first landed in the in yeah. Major League Baseball. It's like the media is like following every pitch or moment or whatever. And it's like it's such a frenzy, but it, it you know, it makes new fans. It draws attention to see him get that love, as you mentioned, after going through hell, literally, to get to yeah. that point. I mean, you can say it. whatever
0: you want about him, but he earned it. He earned yeah. it. Yeah,
1: We don't show love to our athletes. Any any level of comparison, not even the Olympic level to the to what these other countries do, Luke. Right?
0: Yeah, we're spoiled here, though. Like, you ever watch like the Olymp- the Summer Olympic medal count? It's always like us, China, and then sometimes like Germany or some shit. Like, yeah, we usually yeah. win on overall and gold medal counts. Like, we're we have so many good high
1: level athletes here. We're we're spoiled as shit. So. You know. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, let's go to top rank boxing from the Hulu Theater at MSG in New York. Luke, Troy Isley. Check out this right-hand finish. Good oh Lord. Oh, oh, got him in the step. Woo. Damn, that looked like the ending of Rocky Three, right, where they freeze it? Like, they both land at the same time, it looked like?
0: That was, yeah. Can we but zoom that in? Was, I need to see it one more time if they can show it. He's, oh, no, he slipped, he slipped to the outside and caught him in the middle. Jesus. That was Damn. vicious.
1: Luke, your co-main event to the Better Be fight was Featherweight Robezie Ramirez, who had an early upset loss to his pro career, but's putting it back together. Check out this KO of previously unbeaten Abraham Nova. Hell Ooh. yeah.
0: And just dude, th- and look at the way he dismissively looks at him as he walks away. Oh, he's Golly. a badass, dude.
1: Ramirez, I think he was a gold medalist. He w- he was an absolute badass as an amateur, and he's got that swagger for the pro game, Luke. Indeed, look at this. Over the top misses, and then just straight down the middle, boom. And Nova's that dude who always colors his beard like he's Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and has a mascot that looks like him that follows him to the ring. I love that guy. So shout out to Abraham Nova. Also on this card, Luke. Here's a uh, video footage of Betterbeef just just fucking Joe Smith up. Here's the first knockdown, dude, to the top of the skull.
0: Dude, this was a mugging. See now, see how Be- uh, we were talking about before. You see how uh, Betterbeef was backing up. And drops him, just setting traps for him. It's one thing to go forward. And then you're like, all right, I'll let you go forward. Just walking into a trap on this guy. He tries to double Look jab his hard. way in. and He times the second jab.
1: Dude, he kind of knocked him down with the palm of his glove, like it was a, a sweeping hook that looked like more of like a slap. But damn, that was hard. Yeah, but that nothing, nothing, nothing.
0: Uh, you know, half-assed about that left hook here stays in front of him. Time, jab, oh, Ooh. just down the middle, hooking shot, down the middle, hooking shot. He's all over the place, this guy. Oh, look at that right hand, dude! That was dude. That straight right hand was
1: there all day for him. Damn. I mean, yeah, Smith Joe was Smith, game. Joe Smith dude. later
0: was saying the first time he got rocked, he just could not get his legs under him again. Just couldn't equilibrium,
1: do it. dude. You get hit around that ear in boxing early, you may last four or five rounds like Joshua did against Andy Ruiz, right? But you, you you're never the same, you know? Right. All right, Luke. Here's some celebrities in the wild. Check out Utah Jazz center Rudy Gobert at seven foot one, trying out his hands. Your thoughts here, Luke?
0: Is that Sebastian Fundora?
1: <laughs> sure ain't Stephen A. Smith. We got to zoom in here. We got to zoom in on this shit. I mean, Luke, he, he looks like, like
0: this he's... dude. This dude's an athlete, no doubt about it.
1: God, he is big as shit, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He is. Not bad. Not bad, Luke. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's...
0: he's got. He's got. He's got a little something there.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, Luke, your boy, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, getting it done in the weight room, but you know why, Luke, everyone sent me this. How are you going to defend your boy now? I don't know. Dude, how many
0: elite pros have to write you and me, which they've done, telling you that real motherfuckers don't. By the way, I see his the penis outline. Have to wear have to wear I'm uh, sorry, don't ever wear gloves. I don't know why you keep like, making this a bit. Like,
1: I see you, Ronaldo's hog. I see you, Ronaldo.
0: Yeah, dude, he if you're a real dude, you don't wear gloves. That's just the beginning and the end oh, of it. Wow. I've also said it fucks with your grip. So if you're actually trying to work on your grip, take the gloves off.
1: Luke, you know uh, NBA champion Steph Curry? uh did you see that series by the way they beat my celtics it was painful luke you know what i'm saying I but
0: did, I, I watched three of the games yeah and they were all no one of them uh the celtics won game the, good the, the turnout. second game the celtics won
1: good turnout at that victory parade in san fran though despite yeah. the da and all that situation over there luke let's talk about steph curry's wife aisha, what about the da the,
0: bc what about him?
1: <laughs> dangerous times luke uh aisha curry in the weight room luke check the technique oh, we go with seen this,
0: this. So that is a trap bar deadlift, Uh, but that's not a full deadlift. So she's lifting off of blocks. So she's she's also in in a dress.
1: Yeah, she's also in the in a uniform dress, Luke, a jersey there. So uh, well done there. Just the same, Aisha, Aisha, so glad to meet you. Right?
0: Is who was that? That was um,
1: Bobby Brown, and what was the ABC? Another another bad creation, right? Chris Rock, Red, Dave Rowe. Yeah, dude, that I'm telling you. It's a nostalgic turn, but I found that cassette tape and I popped it in a couple years ago that thing still it still moves me Luke right playground do you, you know have what a cassette player I do I have one left I have one left yes
0: Wow even I don't have that
1: shit yeah and now I'm a big vinyl guy though by the way, my dad is arriving this this weekend Luke to deliver me his vinyl collection that I was not allowed to touch growing up that I worship and idolized he was going to leave it to me. But then he said, you know what? While I'm alive, why don't I just give it to you? Look, that's a big moment, okay? That's a oh. big, that's like
0: a... Let me say something, th- too. That is a big moment um, that's very nice of your dad, by the way. And smart of him, too. Like, someone will take good care of it. Dude, I will tell you this. I was digging through my uh, front closet in my entrance, and I hadn't done that in a long time. I found a bunch of old baseball cards. So Ooh. I'm, I'm going to say this. If you're a collector, like your comic book guy from The Simpsons, go fuck yourself. But if you actually have a kid and you and your kid collect, I'll send them to you for free. So email the show, morningcombat at gmail.com. You got to prove that you and your kid, or at least your kid, collects. I want to send them yeah. to a kid. I'm not sending you to some fucking stupid-ass adult who goes to Comic-Con and shits his pants or whatever at the side of you know uh, Patrick Stewart. I want an actual like nerdy kid who's into like collecting cards. Email the show. I'll send them to you for free.
1: They're going to be all you know. They're going to be all. oh no, they're like in pretty good condition. Common dude. cards.
0: There, and there's a Jose Canseco rookie card in there too.
1: How about oh, that? Oh shit! Do you have the the, the Billy Ripkin one with the swear on the uh, handle? You know no,
0: no. I don't. I have a Michael Jordan uh, rookie card from Fleer yeah. back in the day in there as well. So oh
1: shit. there's, okay. some, there's, some, there's
0: some decent cards in there.
1: Luke, oh, I, you Luke know I had one. I,
0: you know I also had I had Oil Can Boyd. Remember him?
1: Oh, yeah, I loved the love of yeah. the, the Boogar Shugar. Yes, oil, yeah, yeah. Dennis Boyd, big, big time. I, even though he's a Red Sox guy and I was a big Mets fan, I always loved that guy, Luke, because he he was living on the edge. You know what I'm saying? He sure was. All right, back to celebrities in the wild. Here's some elder abuse for you, Luke. Speaking of our nation's yeah. capital. Here's the king of the nation's capital at the moment.
0: Oh, God, this poor bastard.
1: (laughs) Joe Biden on his bike in Delaware. It's like, uh, Joe, uh,
0: you got to take your right foot out of the stirrup, homie. What are you doing there, you old bastard?
1: Yeah, this didn't look good. This
0: didn't look good. I mean, it's like, dude, it's like... You know, gas prices are skyrocketing and food's expensive, and this fucker can't even dismount a bike. Oh,
1: God. I know, dude. I mean, come on. I couldn't get one meal under 100 bucks in D.C. because of this guy, Luke, probably. All right, there you go. Uh, let's go over to the Rain Man. When I say the Rain Man, who do you think of, Luke? Dustin Hoffman? No, dude, my our, our '90s hero, Sean Kemp. Come on, dude, the one of the greatest in game dunkers. Sorry, in NBA I, I, he, history. I, I
0: thought you meant guy who had ten thousand kids when you said Sean Kemp, not Rain Man.
1: Well, Luke, uh, remember he got fat during the lockout in the '98-'99 yes. season and never recovered. Sure Unfortunately, Luke, look at him now. Look at him now, throwing out the first pitch at the uh, at the uh, the Mariners game, and oh, yeah,
0: Jesus, Sean. Oh, well, Sean, oh boy. Sean's on that. Sean's on that trick daddy diet, huh?
1: Yeah, he is. I mean, they had to show up with the medium jersey for him too, Luke. That was that was, that was not Right. For, for folks them. who
0: don't get the reference, there, BC and I went to what weigh in? Was it? Oh, you know what? It was the Mayweather Logan Paul weigh in. Yes, and it was in Miami, and Trick Daddy came out. Old Trick has been not working out i can say not
1: that weird. very comfortably <laughs> you were actually nervous when you me and brendan Shaw were making fun of him on the air you were like "Well, guys i don't know if i'm part of this here i mean <laughs> trick daddy will still fuck you up right
0: yeah yeah he's actually he sounded pretty good too but he, he's he been he's been yeah. eating
1: all right luke celebrities in the wild uh one of my favorite fighters of all time betch cohea enjoying retirement here with uh-huh. a with a saucy ig dance luke this your thing
0: did she get surgery or did she have like a filter on?
1: I, I, I will not say stuff like that out loud, Luke. I'm sorry. Check me on my Patreon later.
0: Dude, I don't understand. Like, let me ask you, if you go through TikTok, what I've noticed is it's just a bunch of women in tight clothing dancing in front of you. Yeah. Who are they dancing for? Because I got to tell you, I don't need Gross to see men. any of it.
1: <laughs> Probably our kids, Luke, unfortunately, right? You know? Oh, All God. Right yeah oh, uh,
0: you're so right but i'm always like you know if you're i'm not saying she's a 10 but you know there's a bunch of 10s or eight nines and 10s on 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 tiktok it's like dude if you're a 10 just stand there and turn around you don't have to do shit else why are See, you doing i demand a bit? more
1: i'm like you know make me a sandwich too luke okay help me raise this sandwich. Right? if let's they're go, gonna sell yeah. it
0: and i'm gonna consume it as a consumer i have a right to give some consumer feedback
1: all right okay okay a uh, big bench Kahaya fan luke always brought it okay uh luke let's go to saudi arabia the Alexander Usyk, Anthony Joshua rematch is booked. I forgot the date. What is it? August something? August 20th. But yeah, look at same the f-
0: date as UFC 278. That's going to be a big day, UFC yeah, 278. Yeah, Salt Lake City,
1: same the same night. This hopefully will air in the afternoon, but here's the face-off, Luke. Uh, the size difference, still, still pretty big, Luke. Still pretty big there.
0: Did they talk about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi?
1: Uh, that did not come up on the uh, the questions there for old uh,
0: Eddie. You Herne mean company. the media in Saudi Arabia didn't bring it up? I I wonder why. I cannot
1: imagine. Look, I hope AJ under uh, Robert Garcia is is going to start is going to bring the fight to Usyk. It's going to be an interesting fight if he does. Very interesting. All right.
0: Oh, here we go. Face forward. Yeah, bro, Eddie. Hearn. I always forget how tall Eddie Hearn is. I Dude, six forget.
1: foot seven. No one remembers that. Did yeah.
0: No, yeah. no, no, because no. Josh was
1: only six six. Dude, Eddie Hearn goes by 6'7". I asked him on the air. He says 6'7", dude. And Max Holloway's arms are shrinking. Yes, indeed, indeed. All right. Uh, Luke, let's go to the uh, knockouts of the week. We start with former Mike Tyson opponent back in his boxing days, Julius Francis. Now a a parking lot attendant outside of uh, Box Park, Wembley as a security guard. Luke, Julius Francis is in the black right right there there on the left. He's
0: the guy on the left of the screen you just saw briefly. He kind of had a big belly.
1: And uh, he's doing security at at Wembley Box Park here. And the fellow you want to watch closely is what? The guy in the blue cap?
0: Yeah. So watch him. The guy who's the boxer is the one who's now walking around to the back with the security vest on. You see him to the right of your screen. Now he's gone. And my man in the blue just rolled up on him and pow oh you know.
1: god that wow that is uh i mean you know <laughs> was dude, that necessary luke listen, i don't know okay that was so I, i'm so
0: glad you asked that was it necessary no was it justified entirely dude do not walk up aggressively on a security guy outside of a bar they will fuck your world up are do you not speaking do from it.
1: experience as an ex-bouncer luke or is there no such thing as ex-bouncer
0: I mostly defuse situations or like kept people safe. I didn't like jack people's jaw, but I saw plenty of other guys do it. Plenty of, dude, you cannot, they'll, they'll get, they get big heads from drinking. They get thrown out and they want to test themselves. And it's the same onion article. Every time area, man overestimates fighting ability by 5,000%. Yes. Dude, don't do it. This guy, everyone was like, he was just walking, watch it again. He kind of walks up and he's talking to him like that. And he got his shit rocked for it. I don't, I don't blame the bouncer even a little bit. It kind of looked like. like Remember
1: that fan in the Pistons jersey rumbled onto the court on our test at the Palace brawl. They kind of sized each other up, and then they both threw combos. Look at him, walking aggressively
0: at him, and he puts his he brings his hand up to put it as well. Dude, fuck that guy. No, I just mean this guy's
1: got got a lethal weapon in that right hand, Luke, and he wow he brought it. He did bring it. Okay, you know
0: what? That guy in the blue learned a real valuable lesson about where he stands in the pecking order that day. That will help him in the future.
1: Yeah, that is true, Luke. That is true. Hopefully, you and I don't catch those same receipts. Look, look no, forward. no, no. But I'm not
0: gonna. If I get thrown out of a bar, I, I, dude. You know how many times I've been thrown out of a bar peacefully? <laughs> like
1: yeah. that's not new. Uh, also, your your choices for knockout of the week, Luke, includes this uh, punk outside the train. If you watch closely here.
0: Uh oh. What the fuck are these? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to give someone the finger.
1: Oh, that's great. That is great. Uh, Let's go to virtual reality goggles for our next knockout of the week, contender, Luke. I'm sure everybody who's ever tried this has done this at least once. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) It works. Yep. Confirmed. It works. There it is, Luke. Indeed. Yeah. There you go. That's great. Uh, Let's go over to the, uh, the sidewalk, Luke. You get two drunk guys together. Anyone can anything can happen. How about this for a contender for knockout of the week?
0: Uh-oh. Are we about to are we about to watch Cormier Jones 2 here? What is it? Oh <laughs> shit! Look at him protect Yo, the drink though. I know my man
1: my man's trying hard to save that Guinness. <laughs> oh god, he got splattered, dude. He's like, "Yo, oh, I can't just pour out
0: this Boddington."
1: Wow, that was probably at like 8 a.m. too, knowing those knowing those guys, Luke. All right. Also, how about this? This is probably your knockout of the week. And they got two with one stone, Luke, or maybe two stone. Or maybe I was two stone. Look at this. Ooh. Damn. Ooh. Wow. This looks like low level bare knuckle fighting, Luke. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a thing, cause isn't it all low level, Luke?
0: <laughs> you mean like just like just regular old bare knuckle? Yeah, it's like,
1: this looks like gross pornography. Oh, wait, <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that is,
0: okay. Oh, God, that is terrible.
1: Yeah, let's go, though, to our joke of the week. Luke, let's hear from this old bastard. I said to a girl one night, I said, you've got a
2: kind chin. And she uh... kept looking at me, and she said, what do you mean you've got a kind chin? I said, the kind of chin I'd like to risk me balls on. <laughs>
1: looks <laughs> like i'll vape to that yep yeah yep i will that's that's will.
0: every guy in the that's every old man in the gym uh bathroom right yes that's yes. every <laughs> except they're naked walking around with shoes on
1: am i right dallas yes indeed uh luke rate this flex uh they, a lot of people try weird shit uh in terms of lifting videos how about barefoot deadlift Against everyone's worst nightmare, the leg the loose Legos, Luke.
0: Dude, I can't stand people who do this shit. Fuck this guy. <laughs> <I hope laughs> you do know that's a pain.
1: Out. That is a pain unlike any other Luke. You know that. That's right? an
0: outrageous pain. Dude, like Instagram and social media have turned lifting into like circus performing, but not even the good kind, just the jackass variety, and it's not all that interesting. Fuck these guys.
1: Yeah, let's keep it going. All right, rate this tat, Luke. This was so weird, I had to include it. I hope it's not real. Your thoughts.
0: you got to be shitting me. Someone did not do this, did they? Are you fucking kidding?
1: Yikes. Uh, just, yeah, just did it. Luke. That's, uh, all right, let's
0: keep that. I'm seriously stunned looking at that. Like I'm actually shocked that someone went through with that.
1: Somebody got their 15 seconds, Luke, okay? You know what, though? I
0: will say this. My man's toes are better spaced than mine. Mine are all fucked up.
1: (laughs) So are mine, Luke, but that's because I'm a real man. No, it's just because you are
0: dirty and you have fungus, you old piece of shit. Oh
1: no, it's, uh, th- those tell the story of the miles I've logged, Luke. Up and down, life's you know valleys and peaks. And right oh, now, oh yeah, we're in peaking, khakis, right, motherfucker. Right now, we're peeking at the beacon, Luke. Oh, uh, let's go to our fans of the week. Check out these young boys behind the uh, Reggie Miller at the NBA game, Luke.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
2: Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
1: i don't know if (laughs) coach sandusky no who got a hold of this Luke? i don't know if we can legally show that but i cannot believe you
0: just made that joke what i was going to say was this was also me at 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 22 23 years old yeah you've had a sordid
1: past luke we all know about that uh let's go to this 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 fan though he may be our real fan of the week check him out behind the rugby player
0: Bro, these rugby players are jacked as shit. Yeah,
1: that's just so a shoey from his own vessel. Damn, respect. Bro, is
0: there a bigger difference between a rugby player and a rugby fan than this shot right here? Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great.
1: All right, let's let's get let's get out of this. Let's keep it going. Summertime, Luke. You know that means pool fails only. Check out this female influencer trying to catch a snapshot amid chaos, Luke. What are they spraying them with? Uh, probably expensive champagne. There you go. There. <laughs> Have a drink. <laughs> Hopefully she caught the shot before she fell in, Luke. There you go. Uh, let's go over. Anytime they put a trampoline next to a pool, Luke, it's like they're setting the stage to end up in this segment. Uh, first, we'll check their <laughs> their skin inflection, and then we'll see the result, Luke. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, if you feel like we've we've played this one before, it's because there's a few like it, but it still hurt, Luke. Wow.
0: Bro, enjoy. Yo, I, I've never seen someone with that much of a boost have that little amount of ups. Also, enjoy your above-ground pool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to the diving board, Luke, for our final failure by the water this week.
0: Oh, oh, this heavyset gentleman. Oh, fuck off. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: there
0: you go. All right. Keep it moving. He learned, he learned a valuable lesson in physics that day.
1: I would say this would probably cost more than your $85 variety, but you know that Dubai barber that I follow on Instagram, the alternate Luke Thomas was back in his chair this week. Luke, I'm going to put this guy on every week until you get this thin. Check out this handsome devil.
0: I know he is way more handsome. I mean, that's not saying much, but he is.
1: Dude, that how could much you be a
0: oh, serious question. How much do you think that haircut cost?
1: Oh, it's four thousand at least.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a that's a ridiculously expensive haircut.
1: This guy's like the Salt Bay of of, uh, of barbers. How, yeah.
0: Serious question: How handsome could he make me? And I realize he's working with a gob of shit, but I'm saying, <laughs> what could? How much could he
1: improve me? Could he take me from a four to a five? You think? You ever see the movie Soul Man, Luke? No. Oh, all right. Um, with C. Thomas Howell, uh, I think he could take you pretty high, Luke. Okay, but you've got to commit. You've got to. You've got to commit to cardio. Are you ready?
0: I'm. I'm ready. Not really, but okay. yes.
1: All right. Uh, t-shirt of the week, Luke, is going to go to this dirty old bastard. You guessed it. Let's zoom in here. <laughs> <laughs> He's so casual about it, too, Luke. Right.
0: Dude, look at him rolling around, scratching his gross
2: elbows.
1: Just <laughs> He's looking. like, I got a, I got an itchy boil over here. <laughs> you can sit on that, too. All right, let's keep it going. Uh, Luke, when you exercise out of the gym, sometimes you get hurt. You got to be careful here. Let's go to the bathroom box jump attempt.
0: Fuck this kid. Yep. <laughs> yep.
1: And, of course, everybody's favorite, the uh, BMX bike in the bar routine, Luke. Let's yeah, keep there. jumping
0: up on surfaces known for collecting water, jackass.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I can't believe he's white. BC. It seems so out of character.
1: Uh, Luke, remember Back to the Future when the guy changed his past and then his brother started disappearing from the photo? It's kind of similar to my to the people in this category, Luke. Let's start with the uh, Let's start with the uh, the dance floor. Remember oh, this move, go. Luke?
0: yep eat did
1: a- oh shit
0: <laughs> yeah nice college apartment fuck face
1: <laughs> and let's continue to the bartender Luke a great bartender is like an NFL referee you never knew they were there, Luke right let's see this oh no oh what the fuck <laughs> They keep the kegs in the basement, Luke, apparently. Bro, there's All a bar. Right.
0: What was it on? It's near uh St. Mark's Place in um uh, near the Bowery in Manhattan. Yes. And it used to be an old speakeasy. They haven't really changed it. So when you order a beer, the beers are next door. They're not at the actual place, and they come from the floor of dings. They open the f- the floor and they pull out your bottle of beer and they hand it to you. You I forget the name of it, but it was wow. actually pretty cool.
1: That's a different take on the uh Asian toilets with just being a hole in the floor, Luke.
0: That's not just that's not just Asian. The, well, Turkey is in both Asia and Europe, but on the Europe side, I've seen it there, too. So we'll be clear about that.
1: It's an that. interesting way to do it, Luke. It's, it wouldn't be for me, though. It's not my I told you the story, dude. Favor.
0: I went to one of these places, and they were charging one lira, which is like their currency, and for toilet paper. But the catch was they didn't have toilet paper. They were tearing sheets out of a phone book and handing you that. And I was that's like, great. I'll just that's shit true. my pants. Thank you, sir. Have a, Have a great day. <laughs>
1: That's good. That's great. Dial G for Grundle, Luke. Clean that shit up. Okay. Uh that's the shit. No, we got one more piece of shit. Let's see what it is here, Luke. It's an oldie but goodie. It's a it's the pinata miss. You know what's you know what's coming next. Someone's Luke.
0: balls or some kid's head.
1: <laughs> Where's Ryan Bader when you need him, right? Oh, Ryan right. the yeah.
0: old nutsack. <laughs> Enjoy your gender reveal party, you dumb piece of shit.
1: Ooh, there it is. All right. Hey Luke, we you wanna push fan subs to Friday or you want to do it now?
0: We can push them to Friday if you want. Give the audience a little more time to put some in.
1: Because we gave them today, Luke, just an outstanding comeback show from vacation, right?
0: We certainly did. We certainly did.
1: I mean, the the, the good news is, I'm here, I'm back. We'll be in Vegas next week, International Fight Week. The bad news is, though, Luke, I'm going back on vacation at the end of July. So all those people that shit on you, they're coming for me, Luke.
0: Well, the only reason they shit on me is because you have somehow manufactured some idea. I actually, of, of you, me, and our head producer, I take the least amount of vacation of all of us. Yet somehow yeah, but that's not fair,
1: because our, our our producer likes to vacation every weekend, so that's not fair. That's true. Okay, that's our like, lead
0: producer, I'm like, hey, what are you doing on Friday? He's like, not working on this motherfucking show, bitch. <laughs> He's 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 in our chat right now, furiously typing away. <laughs>
1: yes, yes he is. Yes he is. We love you, uh, Michael. Thank you very much, uh, Luke. That's it though for this week. Okay, today I mean today that's it. But we've probably got great bonus content like a resume review and some other shit. So like let's remind the folks we
0: do have bonus content. We have the Max Holloway resume review. I'm not. It's supposed to be coming out. I want to say tomorrow, but soon. We're actually in the resume review. We promised that we were going to watch. The Volkanovsky max fights one and two together, score them and talk about them. That's coming out in just a, either a tomorrow or in a matter of days. Be on the lookout for that. So that's going to be coming out as well. Plus, as I indicated, my Eblin interview, my Sabatello interview, they're already up. You can check those out. Um, let's see. Also, BC, let's remind the audience one more time.
1: Hold on, hold on, Luke. The best response on that, on that Sabatello interview was when you were like... <laughs> jesus christ you're a sadist you were like you didn't know which turn you didn't know where to go next luke it was just he backed he was you just like i'm corner. gonna torture
0: this motherfucker i'm gonna rip his heart out i'm gonna fucking take his kids i'm gonna take his property i'm gonna move into his house and eat out of his fridge and not even thank him i'm like S- settle down settle down <laughs> and we're gonna make sweet
1: love yeah yeah it was it was intense luke yeah i'm gonna turn this guy into a cuck blah, blah, blah. i was like
0: yo time out time out it's just a fight bro um uh okay but i want to remind <laughs> folks not, not this Friday. Friday, July 1st, if you are going to be in Las Vegas, join us. Go to the UFC 276 weigh-ins, then then come hang out with LT and BC at the Beer House. Beer House, right outside the T-Mobile Arena. We'll start at about 5 o'clock. We're going to do a live show, special guests, spin the wheel, the whole nine yards. It'll be a ton of fun. Beer House, Beer House, Beer House, Beer House, 5 p.m. local time on Friday, July 1st. Can't say that enough. Uh, let's see, showtime.com is the label that pays. You can go to showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. It will allow you to watch the very good Bellator card on Friday, Bellator 282. Uh, let's see, email the show, morningcombat.gmail.com for fan subs and dead wrong. We'll have both of those on Friday's show. And uh, morningcombat.store to get the merch that BC's wearing, to get the merch that I'm wearing, or whatever it is the merch that you would like to wear. BC, any final thoughts?
1: Uh, no, but thank you to the great fans of the show who back us through everything, highs and lows. We hope you can make it to Vegas. We hope to, you know, open mouth, kiss you, hug you, whatever, whatever you're in the mood for. But, uh, thank you folks for tuning in. And, um, you know, we're back with, this is the best thing. This is the, this is the, this is your best option. Talk yourself into that other bullshit. This is the best thing you got going. Love it or hate it. Right? Right, Luke. I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, the, the awards speak for themselves. I, you know, I don't care. I just, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just arting. Right? You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I don't care who watches Luke, right? I really don't because I'm going to be doing this in my basement whether there's a crowd or not, Luke, okay?
0: Okay. All right. Um, for Malka, for BC, for Showtime, for everyone involved in the show and uh, CBS Sports and the whole nine yards. That's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. This has been Morning Combat. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.